All right. Um, yeah, so uh, this is, I guess, episode two of uh, the Headphone Show's live stream. Uh, we'll see how it goes. Uh, we have uh, below me to my right, uh, to my, will be my left, I guess, but on the right side of the screen is is uh, Tyler. He's one of the Headphone Community's, let's say, premier community members. Uh, it's Darth Pool. Uh, I hope it's okay if I use your name. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's fine. Um, and, uh, and next to him uh, on the left side is the one and only Wheezy Reviews. Um, <laughs> actually, uh, do you guys want to introduce yourselves a little bit? Like, uh, I, I'm, I've, only, I've been um, pointed in the direction of Wheezy Reviews by uh, Metal 571, of course. So that's how I know who you are to some, <laughs> to some degree. But... Uh, I beyond that, I, I don't really know all that much. So why don't I uh, actually? I'll pass it over to Tyler, and you can talk a little bit about uh, yourself and uh, uh, who you are and why you're into headphones. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so basically, for me, it was uh, got into it with uh, video games, of course. How it, how it started. Had a kid and uh, needed to have a. <laughs> Uh, a quieter setup for uh, not waking the family um, and then went down that wonderful rabbit hole of uh, uh, higher and higher end headphones and equipment and gear um, so that was my kind of path and then randomly was invited to the forum for headphones forum by headphones and uh, just kind of found a home there so that's kind of how it kind of grew from there um, and just yeah, I just love the to sit back, relax, and uh, you know get some whiskey or some rum and chill at night. And that's my kind of my my peace or zen area right there is to listen to music and have some good headphones. But you're also just for uh, those unaware, uh, Darth Pool is also a reviewer on the headphone uh, community mm -hmm. forum. So uh, there's a lot of for a lot of the stuff that um, is goes through the community preview program. Uh, Tyler gets his hands on it and uh, puts together, you know, impressions, reviews, written content, um, and so it's uh, there's lots of written material there from Tyler and photos as well. He's the photo specialist for uh, for Instagram. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Sorry, um, yeah. I'm, I'm mostly I, I, so for as far as the review piece goes, I'm not, I I take a, a further step back than like I leave it to people like uh, Andrew and 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 yourself to basically do the technical piece and I go more of the uh, how does this thing make me feel and go into like a uh, I call it stream of conscious reviews where I'll just throw on yeah. headphones and just start typing as I'm listening to music and what, what it does and it, it'll contradict a lot of times as we go but um, uh, but that's just the joys of having uh, that, uh, that that kind of a stream of conscious review or impression that I like to do so it feels yeah. more real for me yeah hey what's up metal 571 <laughs> Somebody oh, said, on. "Never mind, I'm yeah. out." No. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, he's gonna watch later. Okay, so no worries, no pressure then. Somebody, somebody called you Darth Purple. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> Gotta keep it Must real. Be, oh, I thought it was from the uh, <laughs> the uh, what was it? You have a it's the Verite clothes that's purple. Uh yeah yeah I'll, I can go grab them real sure. Quick. Uh, meanwhile, uh, so sorry, to, uh, Wheezy. Why don't you uh, introduce yourself a little bit and uh, tell us a little bit about yourself? <laughs> Uh, so, well, I've been doing YouTube now for about, what, six months? Um, and I, really, it's kind of, um, for me, the, the whole YouTube thing was really, um, 
an outlet for creativity. That's that's right. what it is. Like, I I felt with my daily life that I wasn't I didn't have this outlet for creativity. And um, like I play guitar from time to time, and um, I'm one of those guitarists that plays for like three months solidly, and then doesn't play for two years, and then plays for three months solidly, <laughs> and then just like never getting good enough to you know, and. and I didn't really know what I wanted to do, and I, I started, I'd made a few gaming videos on a different channel, and uh, when when I was doing Let's Plays, it takes like an hour to do a video, um, like an hour video, take so long to upload that um, I've only got DSL here, so. Oh, really? Um, yeah, so it, it takes me like 18 hours to upload a video. It's mm. crazy. That's so, insane. like... If my video was an hour long, it just takes yeah. me like an entire day just to upload it. So I thought, okay, well, that's not going to work. And I thought, well, I love headphones, right? Love headphones. And I wanted to do like another channel as well. I wanted to do kind of two, like a gaming channel and a headphone channel. Mm. And I thought, well, maybe I should learn a bit more about video editing because I didn't have a clue. Um, maybe I should get a little bit more experience and, and, and know what I'm doing before I start. That's why I thought I'd start with the gaming. But um, then I thought, hell, it just, just, Go straight in there with the with the headphone reviews, review what I've got, and then just see what happens. And um, and I've just been churning out videos for the last six months on audio related topics, really, because like audio mm. stuff is my thing, not just headphones. Uh, but seeing as headphones is mostly my thing, I've kind of just focused on that, really. Um, it, this this is all sounding eerily familiar. <laughs> it's exactly <laughs> how I started. Uh, well, minus the DSL stuff, but uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, that's I mean, for I've now started this new channel, but uh, previously that's what the old channel was about. Uh, well, it wasn't just that; it was a whole bunch of random stuff. But uh, it it was just sort of it gravitated towards uh, you know headphones. Because uh, that was the thing that it feels like that's something where even if you're not a, a like a an engineer or a professional, you can you can still provide you know experiential information that people are going to find valuable or useful because it's one of these things where it's you can't try everything right. So having more impressions out there was just a good thing, and ever since then it's kind of just gravitated more and more towards that. And now you know. Here I am with a with a headphone channel, but uh, I wanted to ask uh, Wheezy, did so is this something you do like like full time, or is it just sort of on the side, or is it just you know for fun, or what's sort of the how do you see the, see the the content? It's it is kind of a side thing, but it's also mm -hmm. a full time thing at the moment because <laughs> I'm currently out of work. Um, ah, okay, I've, I've been working in IT for for years now, and um, I was a bit burned out on that. And that again, that was one of the catalysts for me starting YouTube. Really, was that um, I was so burnt out of IT, and I just needed to do something different, something creative, something to just, you know, just, um, I don't know, reset myself, just concentrate on things that I enjoy doing rather than things that were just soul-sucking, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and that's why I started this channel. And obviously I've been, because I haven't had any work for the past um, few months, it's been a bit difficult because this is really expensive, this, um, this whole YouTube yeah. yeah, yeah, it is. It's a um, bit of an investment. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, when you consider that, oh, you could drop £200 on a pair of headphones and that's a cheap pair um, just to review it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but I figure I'll get past Christmas and a new year and then start looking for work again. So it is kind of a side thing, but um, 
mm-hmm. for the, for the last few months it has been a full time. A nice break from the the soul sucking type of stuff, I imagine. <laughs> yeah. I actually really um, enjoyed your videos on those. Uh, your though, I think it was one of the news ones you had was really good about that. Where you're talking about that a little bit, and it was it was pretty uh, pretty cool. And I fully appreciated it because uh, I recently am in a similar situation where I was like, okay, I'm going to take a break from work because this is just too much. Uh, so so I I was like, yeah, on board 100% with that. Yeah. Nice. Uh, um, I, I wanted to ask about the DSL thing because uh, so you're 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 in the UK, but um, is there a reason why it's only the, the, the internet speeds are what they are, or the internet is so spotty in the UK? Um, is it like even in London, even in the centre of London, you can struggle to get a good internet connection. I I don't know what it is. You've got to be lucky to live somewhere where either you have cable or you are on that street that's been upgraded to fiber to the cabinet or I think they're just rolling out fiber to the premises on on a larger scale now as well which is good and right. apparently my address is one of those that might get it eventually but we could be talking 10 years I don't know but my property is actually and what they call an exchange only line which is connected directly to the exchange because it's only like 500 meters away and um, that means there's no cabinet so they can't upgrade the cabinet and they're not allowed for some silly rules, they're not allowed to put the fiber to the prem- the fiber to the cabinet equipment in the exchange. So mm-hmm. there's there's no way to upgrade it until they actually come along, dig a tunnel, dig a, yeah. a trench, and and put some fiber in. There's literally nothing you can do. <laughs> <laughs> that sucks. Um, it's just uh, for uh, reference here. Uh, Tyler's in. Um, he's well. He's near Seattle, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, near Seattle. I was near actually Seattle. joking. Uh, with uh, 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 Andrew earlier, uh, I was like, "This is almost yeah. like a bad joke." It's uh, <laughs> a Canadian, a, a Brit, and an American walk into an audio shop, right? <laughs> something like show. that, yeah. Something <laughs> like <Or> that. Bar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, I actually have some questions here. We might as well uh, <laughs> go through them. Um, but. So one of the things that, I mean, we were just talking about this earlier before we went live, but one of the things that I appreciate about, I mean, both of you guys have actually, I mean, it's a different approach to headphones, but I find that, that there's, uh, at least from uh, Wheezy's reviews, the ones that I've seen, there's a lot of emphasis on uh, going on this, going on the journey with the audience, with people. There's a lot of it feels like there's a lot of learning and then explaining. Is that part of your process? Is that kind of how it works? Uh, who is that to first? Uh, sorry, to, to you, yeah. Um, yeah, because, well, I'm a mid-fi guy, right? Because uh, that's what my wallet can allow. <laughs> and <laughs> Well, just wait until you get more famous and then, you know, suddenly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well... I mean, the most expensive headphone I got, the uh, the DT nineteen ninety. That's uh, I love this, but um, yeah. So I buy a headphone and then I just see if I like it and I listen to it. And I think the first thing I was actually going to do a video on this. Um, what is my review process? But first thing I do is I just put it on and I listen to some music and that's it. And I just mm-hmm. use it like I would normally. And if it was an IEM, I would put them on and go for a walk. Um, so if I was going to go down to the shop. I would just wear those and just use them as I would normally and see what the experience is like for someone who's just going to buy them and put them on and do the exact same thing. Um, and you know, I want to know if it's going to work for me 
mm-hmm. as much as is it going to work for other people and how does it compare to something like this that I've already got or have experienced before? So I, I put it through all that that usual normal day to day use, and then I go and I do my listening tests and I do the measurements and things like that. And I've got my playlist of a bunch of different tracks that I then sit there and I get my HD6XX and I pop them on and I listen to that and then I take those off and I put whichever headphone I'm reviewing and I listen to the same thing and I make some notes and then I get another headphone that is very similar. So like when I was doing the K371s, the um, what I consider to be a, a, a top-notch close-back monitoring mm-hmm. headphone would be the DT770. So I had there's a 6XX there as my reference, my, my standard that I have all the time. I have the DT770 in there as my direct comparison. And then I've got my K371s and I'm just A, B, and I'm just taking them on and off, on and off. And then I'm just doing that. And then I, I start to write my review. And this is another thing goes back to the creativity thing that I was talking about. Like, I quite like to write, but without mm-hmm. any sort of real reason to write, I don't write. So this has given me a really good reason to write. And I've actually got a, a blog, which, um, which is kind of like a companion to my channel. And all of the, what I script out for the review on, on YouTube gets put onto that blog as a, a written review as well oh, and, and that's you, pretty much that. my process yeah. i didn't know you did you did the written stuff as well i'll if you want to fire me that i'll drop it in the notes later for everybody to check out as well yeah it's uh, wheezy dot reviews <laughs> yeah um yeah because that's actually i mean for both uh you know tyler and myself i mean that that's been a huge part of it is the written component i mean it's been the primary focus for at least for me for uh, a lot of it. I mean, the, the the video stuff is in my mind. It's a, at least as far as like the litmus test for when I ask people, what do you, what kind of stuff do you prefer? Most people actually say that they really enjoy the written stuff because you know they can yeah. go through it you know whenever or wherever. And I, I find it's often when I'm when people are looking for a specific thing, say you know it's uh, yeah say it's the DT nineteen ninety or something like that. And they're looking at all all the different impressions and reviews that people have. Um, it, they're able to take that keyword and then make the most use out of it because they don't need to be necessarily in an environment where they're watching through a whole video. They can skip right to the things that they care about the most. Um, whereas if it's these you know um, uh, longer videos and sometimes people they're not in the best environment to be able to make sense of that. Uh, but then on the flip side, I also don't know about the YouTube audience all that much. Um, and because again, I'm, I'm not, uh, I'm not a, it's funny. I, I wouldn't describe myself as a YouTuber. I describe myself as a headphone reviewer who happens to, as part of that, make you know videos about the different headphones. So, uh, that's something that's, that's super new to me as well. Um, I don't know, Tyler, what are your thoughts on, on the written versus video? Yeah, I actually 100% agree. Like, I, I feel like the uh, the videos. I think for me personally, it's it's uh, um, I enjoy them for the the ability to I can scrub through them too, you know. But uh, at the same time, I I think they're they're more entertainment if that makes sense. Whereas I look at more of the mm. um, and it gives you also that connection with the reviewer also, so I can actually then listen to what you're saying and, and view your face to see, see like that human interaction and. Uh, and get that uh, is this reviewer someone that has a similar sound profile that I like, uh, and then that's how I would go off that. But then I take the written reviews as more of the 
the kind of like the gospel, I guess, or like the the thing that kind of is the the, the more final yeah. like, thing that you'd want to really dive into and, and read into. Well, it goes back to Tiles, the way that Tile did it. I mean, I think there was a lot of people who only saw his his videos and but most of the information like 90 percent of the information was actually in the written uh piece and actually i remember discovering the written reviews and going oh this is actually way more entertaining because he's really funny <laughs> in the written reviews <laughs> um, and i think for people if they don't if they'd only watched the videos they would have missed um the the best aspects of of what he was putting out there um yeah, I uh, I wanted to ask actually about the uh, so you Wheezy do I mean as you mentioned the more uh, mid-fi stuff let's say, um, but is there an intention to at some point go up you know higher up to some of the higher end stuff or how do you feel about that because you know for me I've I've gravitated more towards the higher end stuff because that's just what I personally get excited about. But I, I'm starting to realize that there there is a ton of value in the mid-fi stuff or the best bang for the buck or best value kind of stuff um, that I, I almost wish I could do more of because I feel like that's what a lot of people want to see. They want to know how does an LCD1 compare to a Hi-Fi Man Sundara versus a HD6XX versus a, you know, a Bayer Dynamic or whatever, right? Um, what, are your, what are your thoughts on that? Excuse me. Uh, um, I, I'm I'm open to reviewing, you know, as much high end stuff as I can get my hands on. Uh, but it's it realistically is out of my price range at the moment. Um, but also, like, I don't know if I can justify spending a couple of grand on a headphone. Oh man! Oh man! I mean, <laughs> I mean, I I probably would if I like them enough. Do you know what I mean? I'd find a way to justify it. But yeah. there's so much gold. <laughs> yeah, there's so much gold in the in the mid-fi space that um, I I think it's easy to 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 just overlook it and go, well, this is better out there. But there is so much good stuff in mid-fi if you know what you what to look for, and you're smart with how you spend your money, um, mm -hmm. and wait for the sales and things like that. You can get some absolute bargains in the mid-fi um, region, like like. The uh, the HD five ninety nine, which I paid ninety pounds for, which just I I just can't get across to people enough just how good value that headphone is for that for that price tag, and um, you know to then to go from something that costs you what hundred pounds to something that's going to cost you a thousand pounds, it's a massive massive jump, and um, yeah, I'm quite happy in mid fi I I'm because my wallet can then spread a lot further. Mm -hmm. then I can try lots of different flavors. Mm -hmm. I think this goes back to the video you did the other day. Was it today or the other day? I can't remember. Last um, night. Last night about yeah. um, having headphones for lots of different things. And because mm -hmm. you do eventually realize that unless all of your headphones are... Um, I mean, I, I chase the Harman target because I find it works for the most of the music that I listen to. But yeah. I appreciate that sometimes it's not quite right and you know, I've got the DT ninety ninety and the HD six XX, right? They're mm -hmm. two very, very different headphones. Yeah, extremely different. Yeah, <laughs> and they complement each other so well because you know one type of music is going to be really great on one, and the other on the other, and and also, I I think if if you've got 
several thousand pounds to spend on headphones in a year, two years or whatever, you can probably get a lot more tastes, a lot more flavors with your money in mid-fi than you could do. You could get one really good flavor, sure, if you spent it in the high end, but um, <laughs> you can you can try many more things with, with that money. I think that's why I like mid-fi so much. It would be... Uh... I think one of the reasons why that sounds a little it's it's almost a little bit counterintuitive for headphones specifically because you're only ever listening to one at one time <laughs> so there's this, a yeah. little bit of weirdness there where it's like <laughs> you know if you have like five headphones that each cost you know between 200 and 300 dollars or um, I don't know what that would be in pounds but something like that you know it, it feels a bit odd because you're like well I'm only ever using one at one point in time. What's the point of all the rest? But I really do think that, you know, for... Again, I tend to agree with that idea of the Harman curve is a good idea. Um, but it's it's still something where if I listen to... Again, it's it's my jazz music that doesn't do well with Harman. Um, and it's specifically pianos. I find it's just too dark. Like, um, And it's partially also because it... it of the bass shelf and that's what makes me wonder about you know some of the um some of the testing methodology that was that was done f in order to get the Harmon curve um i wonder what was actually used because i feel like the type of music that you listen to has an influence on what sound signature you're going to prefer and if it was just you know piano tracks or jazz music or something like that um, that does a little bit better with something a bit brighter or maybe, you know, something that that doesn't have the base shelf that the Harman target does have. I wonder if people's preferences would have been different uh, because that's, again, one of the things that actually even I was just asked that today about, you know, there's this idea of neutral that everybody seems to think exists in a scientific way. But I, I, I really don't think that it does. I think I think it's something where, you know, we have that idea because you could measure a speaker in a room and put a microphone in front of it and it'll measure flat on a frequency response. And that's supposed to be what neutral is. But the reality is even in that situation, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be the best for all the music that you're going to listen to. Um, because again, uh, mic all microphones aren't, you know, perfectly flat either. And the mastering and recording for the music that you're listening to isn't perfectly flat either. Um, so it's just like, there's so much within that to, to unpack that I don't think it can be reduced down to this singular definition or unified definition for neutrality. And so when when there's this idea of you know, a deviation from, from neutral, that it's somehow bad, I think, maybe not always, I think it's as you pointed out, it's, it's, it's just different flavors for different types of things. And actually, there, I, there were, I was thinking about this, it's like, given that there are all these different target curves, and there's different versions of the Harman target curve as well, hmm. you know, you could potentially have multiple different headphones that you could all call, you could call them all neutral, even though they all sound totally different. <laughs> yeah, and I, I think um, Sonarworks as well, they, they did some very, very similar research to yeah. Harman and came up with their own curve that is very similar to Harman, but it's again, very slightly different again. Um, I yeah. think Sennheiser did something very similar once, maybe back in the 90s, well, wasn't it? Yeah, so Sennheiser, this is the way I understand it. Um, both biodynamic, and somebody can correct me if I'm wrong on this, if you're in the chat, Metal571 can correct me if I'm wrong about this. But <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, from my understanding, uh, Bayer Dynamic and Sennheiser were both doing some 
some research on this kind of stuff, but they weren't doing preference curve research necessarily the way that AKG was, or I guess that's, that, that's Harmon research. Um, and so they weren't asking the question as, they weren't asking the same question. Um, they were instead trying to figure out what would be the closest to sounding like a speaker, in a flat measuring speaker in a room for a pair of headphones. And so what Sennheiser ended up coming up with was the, again, I'm, this is, I have no idea why I'm, why I think this is true. I don't know if it's actually true, but Sennheiser came up with what they called the diffuse field loudness equalization, which is what the, which is what the uh, HD 800S, actually it's the original HD 800 is going for. And then, uh, and it, you know, was trying to, again, emulate to a certain extent that speaker-like kind of thing. Uh, and for those of you guys who are unaware, diffuse field uh, would be a little bit warmer than free field. Free field is like if you have an anechoic chamber and you're playing and you're in your, uh, you have a, a measurement there of uh, something uh, in an anechoic chamber. If you, if it's diffuse field, it's not quite as bright as that. <laughs> uh, diffuse field is brighter than Harman, but it's like in between. So. And there's different versions of diffuse field. There's the Mahler one as well from like way you know years ago who were doing similar kinds of things. Uh, but in general, uh, my feeling was that Sennheiser's research was trying to be more scientific about getting a headphone experience to be like a speaker experience. Um, and I think that the Harman research is more consumer preference based. That's at least how I understand it. Someone can correct me if I'm wrong. Things are falling. You all right there? <laughs> Speaking of mid-fi, we have the RAL requisite SR one A over here. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I, was, I was referencing wow. the headphones as uh, uh, as speakers because <laughs> I don't. Oh yeah, those yeah. Are uh, headphones? I think of them as near near field speakers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so actually, so on the subject of of headphones and speakers, I mean, I've always, I mean, both of you guys can weigh in on this, but 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 I, I've always thought of the head the headphone listening experience as something that's unique um i've just lost the chat sorry one second <laughs> there's the chat window okay um yeah i've always thought of the headphone listening experience as something that's unique to speakers uh, and better for certain things because of distance and crossfeed uh because if you're sitting at a distance from speakers again i love good speakers too but if you're sitting at a distance from whatever sound source, whatever the trans, you know, uh, transducers there, uh, at at a certain point it's gonna it's gonna cross over, right? There's so you're getting an experience that's the combination of of your different transducers. <clears throat> With headphones, that's not happening because it's they're isolated, and it, it feels like that's a more it's easier to identify the details and get more surgical as far as the actual specific things that you're listening to. And it might not be as technically accurate as the artist or engineer intended because they're mastering the stuff on speakers to get that stereo imaging thing right. No, Not that many people do that on headphones, but the idea of then listening to it on headphones, uh, I think that, I mean, it just imparts such a totally different kind of experience that I think that's one of the reasons why I've gravitated towards headphones as well. It's, it's yes, partially because I could get away with better sound quality for less money, <laughs> but uh, but it's primarily also because of how unique that experience ends up being. And I also wanted to ask you guys. So we'll, I'll, I'll ask you to comment on that. But I, I also want to ask you guys about. Uh, it seems like these days, 
a lot more material is better recorded for headphones. And I wonder if that's partially a sign of the times for people, again, not having the space to be able to have their have speakers. And people are, I guess, uh, uh, studios are recognizing that more and more people are listening on headphones. It's actually probably more common to listen on headphones <laughs> than speakers, you know, in the if you think globally, at least. Um, I, it, I get the feeling that maybe they're recognizing this and then specifically producing music that has stereo imaging that's better suited for headphones. And then maybe this can go even further. Anyways, I'll, I'll let you guys you know, weigh in on that. <laughs> uh, I, I think it's also just because of the nature of like the current creator, that creator's mentality too, you know? Like I think that's a big piece of it where it's, and it's also way more mobile. I mean, you can get a, a kid with a laptop and a, um, an audio interface or something like that. and, and the, some basic microphone stuff and, and they can start making music on the go you know i think that's a big part of it too uh and they're using headphones right too. right they are primarily using headphones as their own tools mm -hmm. yeah oh i was gonna oh yeah over to you easy on that one <laughs> <laughs> wasn't sure if we finished there but um I kind of lost uh, lost lost my train of thought, but yeah. Um, uh. Like for instance, like uh, I'll, I'll kind of pick up on that with you, like uh, your video where you're playing your guitar and and both the electric and the and the acoustic, like like that's awesome, you know. And people like that can you can you can then technically, if you wanted to, you could make a, an album that way, you know, with just that kind of scenario. I think that's part of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think these days. Uh, I mean, when you're making a track, you, you want to, they always say you should test it on other systems, not just your studio monitors. Like if you've got a really good room and that, that's the other thing, go back to speakers. Most of the time when you listen to speakers, you're not listening to speakers, you listen to the room. So yeah, yeah. You, you've got to have a good room that's a, a acoustically well set up. If, if you don't have an acoustically good room, then you'll be listening to the room probably more than you're listening to the speakers. And that adds a certain color to it that you just, you're, you're never going to get that on, on headphones. You're just going to get the pure, raw, unadulterated music as it was made. Mm -hmm. And I think because it's that much more intimate, and, and this is why mix uh, mastering engineers use headphones um, to pick out flaws. They, because, you, because it's that much more intimate and that much more detailed and, and it's isolated, you can then just listen in. And I think that's why... I think people get the wrong impression about uh, professional headphones as well. People aren't mixing and mastering on headphones. They're taking the headphones, putting them on and going, oh, there's that noise that I was looking yeah. for. And then they're fixing it. And then they're taking the headphones back off and they're mixing on speakers. Yeah. But when it comes to making sure that their mix translates right, they have to then go and take that mix and then play that on a pair of ear pods, play that yes. on a pair of beats, yeah. play that on whatever it is, and just make sure that it actually translates okay. Because it might sound good in their acoustically perfect um, control room on their acoustically perfect speakers. But if it then sounds like absolute trash on AirPods, no one's going to buy that album. <laughs> so they have to make sure it sounds good on all this stuff that everyone uses. Yeah. I, I remember I was... Uh, I was going to say that's that's what the DT-1990 is for. <laughs> yeah. You, yeah. You specifically aim look for... Uh, the um, the issues. Uh, I was gonna say when I so years ago when I was uh, 
way younger. <laughs> uh, I, uh, my friends and I had a band actually, and I was, and we ended up recording a, an album. So we were in this recording studio recording the album and realized that, you know, the, the guy who was doing the, you know, the engineering or mastering or whatever, his equipment for, for playback wasn't particularly good. And, but the thing is, I remember that, you know, he's like, well, he's like, well, yeah, this is because that's what it's going to sound like on like most people's equipment. But then when I actually heard the mix on good equipment, I thought this sounds terrible. I mean, obviously the music wasn't very good either, but because we were, you know, amateur musicians, but, uh, but, you know, I also thought, you know, that on good equipment, this does not sound good at all on bad equipment. This sounds decent. This sounds like every other recording that, you know, uh, even even well recorded stuff right so and it makes it that just makes me think of this just sort of other tangent um that i don't know i i have this this approach to this kind of stuff that uh, for the music specifically that if if and maybe i'm wrong here again but if music that let, let's say isn't as popular as the the popular genres right now um if that were if that were uh if people listen to that, like well-recorded versions of that, say well-recorded jazz or well-recorded classical music on really high-end equipment, whether it's speakers or headphones or whatever, I, I feel that they would be able to enjoy them, that type of music more because they'll actually hear the things closer to what it would be like if you were actually there in reality, like if you actually heard those instruments playing. Uh, and, and it would at least give a better chance of them potentially being able to enjoy it. Obviously, if somebody doesn't like it, they don't like it. But I, I often feel like on the, the the beats of the world or the you know AirPods or whatever, that type of music isn't really properly being given a chance uh, for the for the you know mass consumer audiences that or the you know who gravitate more towards uh, popular genres. And I was trying to think of reasons why, and partially I th I think it's it's because of those bass elevations where they are. If you're not listening to music that takes again full advantage of the full frequency range, then you know you're 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 limited at like let's say 80 hertz. That's where it ends. <laughs> Maybe it's a little lower than that, but probably not much. And so if that's where the bass bump is, uh, you know, for all the music that you're listening to, the modern genres that have a ton of extra bass because they're you know, for whatever reason uh you know say it's electronic music edm or whatever or same thing for the high same thing for the treble uh if if, if the modern genres are again maybe a little bit more compressed they have it's an easier they have an easier time of sounding good on a wider range of equipment and, and that's again maybe i'm completely wrong about that but that's my hunch at least i don't know <laughs> what do you guys think about that no <laughs> I'll punt that to to Weezy. <laughs> I don't know. I think there is there, there's a move away from over compressing everything these days, um, and thanks to the, the Luff standards, um, that's a good thing. Well, yeah, that's a really good thing, and I think streaming services might be partially responsible for what is what is really like. Um, gonna mix the industry up a little bit more i think because all this brick wall mastering that we had back in the oasis days where everything was yeah. as loud as it could possibly <laughs> be and there was no dynamic range whatsoever i think it's about time we got rid of that <laughs> went the, back uh, to having dynamic range in music the loudness wars are over thankfully 
like the console wars. Well, not really. Those are still going. <laughs> <laughs> ah, they're all plebs anyways. PC Master Race. Uh, <laughs> um, what's that? There it is. <laughs> PC oh, Master is that... Race uh, wrist pad. <laughs> oh, okay. Sorry. Uh, that's from the that's from the subreddit, I think, right? Yeah, I believe that's how it started. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Um, just sort of getting back though to the the whole question of headphones versus speakers. I mean, do you guys like if you had a choice between a ridiculously good speaker setup? Uh, with a with a decent room. I mean, as as you're saying, Weezy, most of the time you hear the room, but say the room that you have is decent, and yeah, pick a speaker setup for five thousand dollars. Would you rather have that or a headphone setup for the same amount of money, like full systems, everything? If you had a decent room for the speakers. Ooh. Ooh. Does the decent room for speakers also include the neighbors who are absolutely happy for you to blast the uh, music as loud as you want? You're in a field. They ha have a, you have a room in a field. <laughs> they, the neighbors happen to enjoy all the same music that you do and at the same times that you want to be listening to it. That's Oh, that's a really good one because <laughs> there it's a completely different experience. I don't think that um, I could say, uh, well... Mm. There's, there's, you don't get the same energy from a headphone that you do from speakers that 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 raw bass energy that hits you in the chest there's something yeah. about that that that's probably one of the few things that i can probably say i wish you could get that experience from a headphone you know but <sighs> I just have um, Metal 571 here next to me and punches me in the chest every time there's the sub bass that kicks in. Just... <laughs> you, know, you, you need one of those, those, uh, those vest things. Um, oh, we lost your video there, Tyler. Oh, yeah. One sec. Uh, but anyways, you need one of those vest things. You know what I'm talking about? The, yeah, uh... yeah. <laughs> it's like the uh, like those old like video game controllers that rumble. You can have like a... Yeah, like... yeah. <laughs> there used to be a headphone that did that like way back in the day. It was like one. It looked like a Cost Porta Pro kind of, uh, but you could get it and it would go behind your ear, behind your head, and it would like vibrate the back of your, uh, of your head, um, whenever there was like crazy bass going on as well. So you get that visceral impact. Uh, once we get your your feed there back, Tyler, uh, uh, yeah. I want to ask you about the the SR One A because, uh, so I I did have a chance to hear it thanks to Tyler who brought it to a, a meetup recently in uh in seattle hey there we go um and you know no, we put it in at oh yeah sorry. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> basically what happened was we so the sr1a for those of you guys who aren't familiar that's in many circles considered to be the absolute best like the pinnacle of uh a headphone like experience i mean it's it's more speaker like than headphones but as we'll as we'll talk about but it's still a thing that you wear on your head and it looks like a futuristic device You'll see it here in a second, uh, but you know, in many circles, this is considered to be the best experience that you can have, and I find it a little bit interesting and also a little bit strange, given that it's much more like a speaker-like experience than a headphone-like experience, and and since so when I was trying it in in, in Seattle, um, we put it in a in a you know sealed-off room, so there wasn't because it's very very open. 
and uh, we put it in a sealed off room so that you know the conversations from outside weren't intruding on the listening experience and there he is he's, he's wearing it now uh and uh way out and make yourself look really awesome yeah see see i worry more that yeah wow okay my biggest fear with that is if my like if i was listening to it and my girlfriend walked in the room and she'd think i joined a cult she'd be like what are you cyber man dude yeah exactly i've become a <laughs> spaceman uh <laughs> but so when i tried it out when i tried the sr1a out i I was not as impressed as I thought I was going to be. And I think I know why. I think it's because I was expecting it to be a headphone experience. I was exp I, when I was looking for those qualities that I'm used to with headphones. Like, for example, when using a Focal Utopia, you go, whoa, the detail is just crazy here and the speed and everything. And you're, you're, if you're used to that kind of presentation and you're able to you know, really appreciate the pinpoint imaging and surgical precision for the imaging and instrument separation and all that stuff, and then you go to something like the SR1A, where it it's not like the experience is so much more like you're sitting in front of near field monitors, um, and so it's it's way less about that and it's way more about the stage quality. And that's something that I still like I have yet to really figure out and understand properly. And that's yeah, I I think it's worth exploring a little bit more. But I always wonder like to me there's always still a question mark with do we really want our headphones to sound like speakers? And what do you guys think about that? Um, I'll jump on just because I have the SR1As. Yeah. Uh, so I, I actually had for a long time the, actually, I think the same as you, uh, Wheezy, the uh, JBL uh, 305 Mark IIs um, on my desk. They're just massive. <laughs> and my desk, got, it's pretty crowded. <laughs> I like my little toys and my other stuff, and I have a lot of amps, and I'll just do it. It's, it's a mess right now, but I'll do a quick... Uh, uh, also because of the stream, so I'm not stream related, but I mean, you can kind of get an idea, like, so I'm using the edifiers now, but I mean, I have the Bifrost, the SR1A Jotunheim, and then, you know, my listening rig over the there with headphone. The, <laughs> yeah, the head, I have the headphones sitting right there too, and then, you know, and then, you know, all my other fun stuff. But anyway, so like, uh, uh, with the JBLs, they just took up so much room on my desk, um, well, there you go, uh, that it was, it was kind of difficult to um, really appreciate them if that makes sense because I was I was constantly just like uh, and I had them against the wall and they just didn't have the same functionality that I would like and at the end of the day I had I always listen to headphones so um, yeah with, with with that I think um, personally I I like the headphones better just because it's more personal to me uh, like I was going to mention back to what you asked the question earlier with Wheezy was like for me. I think of speakers as more of the like a, a social thing. Um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. If that makes sense, like like you with speakers, you have it's it's very social. You're sharing, you're sharing an experience, and it has more, more impact. And then with headphones, um, it's more of that. It, it's very personal. You can really it, you can get a more emotion. I mean, you get emotional with speakers too. But I'm saying like uh, for me, like you can get into a quiet room, have the headphones on, and you can just kind of focus in and get you know, real focused on the music because it's, it's in your head or it's, you know, depending on the headphones you have, but it's, it becomes a more personal aspect of, of listening. Um, and so from that, that's kind of my, my take on the speaker versus headphones. Uh, it, what you just said there makes me think of, um, uh, what, uh, Steve Guttenberg was saying about when you, when you're listening to headphones, you're getting the truth, but you're getting it as if your head's in a bubble. 
<laughs> and that's where the sound's coming from. I kind of like that description, but I'll, I'll let I'll let Weezy chime in on that. Not sure I got anything to add on that. Really, I mean, I'm I'm I have monitor speakers because, um, well, I do make a bit of music from time to time. Not good enough music that anyone would ever want to listen to it, but I make some music from time to time. Um, and also, this is actually pretty good for for um, checking my audio when I'm doing my video editing as well, actually. But like, mm -hmm. for the most part, because I live in a flat and because my room is not very well acoustically treated, I'll never listen to music on these. Um, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it's, it's headphones all the way. And do I want my headphones to sound like speakers? Um, I don't know if I do, to be honest. Um, I think... Um, I think if it could just sound natural, like whatever it is, whether I'm listening on speakers or whether I'm listening on headphones, if it can sound like the instrument is being played in the room that I'm in, then that is, I think that's the ultimate goal, really, yeah. is that it sounds like it's there. And I don't think really, not all the time at least, I don't think speakers really do that for me because it's so like, it's... <laughs> It doesn't really surround you like 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 at a concert or anything like that, where the music is everywhere and it's just, you know, it's it's huge. Speakers at one end of the room blasting sound towards you. It's so directional. Um, it's 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 similar to headphones in many ways. It's it's still quite intimate um, compared to actual live sound. And I think if we want to, I think headphones that sound more like the live experience rather than sounding more like speakers is probably um where i would like to see that's that's what i would prefer to see i really like that description because i mean you're i think you're absolutely right that when you're listening to even like the the like amazing speakers like actually i was listening to some of uh andrew's uh, uh those vocals holy moly <laughs> really really nice speakers um and, and uh I, I still get the feeling that what I'm listening to is the best repre best representation or reproduction of what's been captured by a microphone. Whereas if I'm listening to headphones, it sounds like I'm in the room with the musicians. That's that's the distinction that I right. And maybe it's not as concert like as as the speaker presentation would be. Uh, may, maybe it's you know, or you were describing things as being you know certain distance back but i think you can i think if that is the end goal to make it sound like you're actually there like say you have you have a decent room and it's just like you your musicians are like in in like conversation length away from you <laughs> and you're just hearing i mean again it probably depends on the on the type of music that you're listening to um but yeah i, I love that description because i've always had that issue with speakers because it doesn't it, it feels like that's not as easily captured for the ultimate goal with speakers as it is with headphones. Um, speaking of uh, music, uh, what uh, <laughs> I wanted to ask, like, what type of music? You said you're a musician, Wheezy, but um, what kind of music do you like to listen to, or what kind of music are you into, even as a as a musician? Um, yeah, what's your take on that? Um... Should I give a cop out answer like I listen to everything? Um, Did you have you oh, recorded anything like that? <laughs> if it's uh, good, I like it, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I tend not to listen to like generic pop stuff. Um, like I just can't get on with it for some reason. 
but um, I'm, I'm mostly into um, punk and metal and um, grunge and all that sort of stuff. I mean, I'm a 90s kid. Well, you know, I was born in the 80s, but, you know, um, I, I used to be flat out on, into Nirvana and stuff like that. So um, I like a bit of electronic music as well, uh, Dead Mouse, stuff like that. And yeah. I also find myself listening to probably more than anything at the moment because I find it so relaxing. And I do like to have music on as background. Like I'll listen to the stuff that I really enjoy, like um, like the rock and the post rock and stuff like that, with my headphones on when I really want to just listen to music. But mm -hmm. for the rest of the time, I'll probably be listening to some lo-fi college beats, you know, like that's so popular chill on hop. YouTube, <laughs> the chill hop, yeah, all that sort of stuff, just in the background. And when I'm wandering around doing my shopping and I've got my earphones in, that's the sort of stuff I'll listen to. And so I, as long as like I'm quite actually. Um, quite forgiving on earphones and stuff like that and portable audio because as long as it can play that well I don't yeah. care what else it's it sounds like job, right? because <laughs> I'm not listening to other stuff when I'm out and about and walking around I'm listening to something that's just going to chill out chill me out and stop me from you know having a rant at somebody out on the street <laughs> for just stopping in front of me or whatever so it's like a it's more like a a, a tool for survival for other yeah. people's survival I, I appreciate <laughs> yeah. that a lot Similar, similar thought on on audio and gear and everything like that. Everything has its special place, and if it, if it makes if it's a transducer and it makes noise, it's doing its job, right? Just a matter how good it does that. <laughs> but for you, I mean, that's you could listen to your to the lo-fi beats on the SR1A and see how that goes. <laughs> Actually, I, you know, it's funny. I game on that, and I've also uh, um, I do. I'll listen to Spotify all the time, and like I'll do yeah, yeah. just because, it, and it's. I mean, yeah, there's certain tracks you'll definitely hit that wall, or you'll hit the certain parts. You're like, oh, that's that's not that great. But at the end of the day, it's it still sounds good. It's still it's still a trend. It's still making music. It's still you know, it just might convey some of the flaws more. But I mean, at yeah, the end yeah. of the day, it still sounds good <laughs> to me. I mean, yeah, um, I think. But yeah, like uh, for right now, like um, my my main listening is probably the Verites and the SR1A, and then on the go, I use the Andromeda Gold. Uh, so that's my oh, yeah. one of my my jams um for that kind of stuff and then actually uh bgvp is it bgvp the dmgs yeah and yeah. android uh turned me on to those and those are my gym headphones man i put a little bluetooth uh little neck dongle thing on them and those things just those things hit man they have some really good bass and, I mean, like you said wheezy like it's I, i'm not trying to i'm not at the gym trying to like hit, pick a concert you know i'm <laughs> i want i want some i want some bass i want some I want to get going um and so that's you know that there's a place for everything i think and, and that's respect to the headphones like there's never i don't think there's any one specific headphone that will do everything well if that makes sense i think there's some that come really close um but i think that's the the, the reality of it is they all do specific things or along those lines really well or whatnot that's what i actually really liked about the airpods pro it was like the i wasn't expecting it to be very good because uh, noise cancelling, I always find with, with AMC headphones, even in the best of cases, you get the art artifact burble for treble. Um, and it's, it's the same kind of thing that you get when, say, you have an uh, audio recording or audio track that you're trying to, that, that has a bit of noise in the background and you're trying to denoise it and you run it through you know one of these programs that does the denoising. And... It, it it's effective at doing that 
but it it makes the treble sound like the high anything in the highs burble or the sort of like kind of almost like muffly metallic kind of sound to it or muffly kind of like electronic noise uh artifacts that show up i think that's just the nature of noise canceling in general but with the airpods pro yeah that's there but i i always i was when i was using it i found that it was so useful for all those applications that when i wasn't intending to listen critically for anything um even honestly not even for you know music enjoyment for just like listening to podcasts or something just or even you know conversations <clears throat> as a as a audio tool it it was uh i mean maybe that should be the, that should be the name of like a youtube reviewer the audio tool but <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, but yeah as as something that was uh like a yeah a device that made it so that my life was easier it, it was amazing um and i also i, I gotta say that the noise cancelling thing it's it's grown on me like the experience of using noise cancelling even just like while out and about it's grown on me to a point where it's made me think about like i worry a lot about my hearing and my my auditory health um just because partially because you know i'm listening to headphones all day but i would be doing that anyways to be honest <laughs> i would be you know even if i wasn't reviewing headphones i would be listening to music on whatever headphones i had all day <laughs> so i don't think it would really change that but making sure that i'm not losing my hearing is super important to me and i notice that even when i'm outside when i'm not wearing headphones i'm just walking like in the city down the street uh it's it's loud out there it's actually like you hear you know truck brakes and bus noises and everything and when you're listening to I mean you have the airpods in or something like that with anc i actually think that there are like auditory health benefits to, to that kind of thing because you're not in the din of the hustle and bustle all the time even if you know the the, the only real risk there is that uh, well yeah there's that <laughs> but i mean the risk to your to your hearing is is playing it too loud but that's the that's the thing that i i i was i noticed is that when I was using IEMs on the go, like like real IEMs on the <laughs> on the go, uh, maybe like not these ones specifically, but like the wired ones, uh, I would there was always a risk that you'd want to turn the volume up a little bit more because there are uh, you know that those low frequency kind of hums that in, intrude on the music that you're listening to and they, it crowds out some of the detail. And then you go, okay, I'll just turn it up, which essentially raises the music above that noise floor. When you're listening to something that has ANC, uh, at least for most environments, uh, that's not as much of a problem uh, because you don't need to you don't need to turn it up. And so for like hearing health and auditory health, I actually think that's like the AirPods Pro are uh, one of the best things, one of the best choices to go for. And I think it's like, it to me, it's the kind of thing I would want to use all the time while out and about instead of some of these ridiculous high-end IEMs that I love to use. I think those are more, like at least for me, my use cases, those are more kind of like office things where you, you know, you're on the go somewhere and you, you're going to work uh, that day and you get to the office and then that's when you plug in your high-end IEMs and then away you go. Whereas the actual like tr going from place to place experience, I found that the AirPods Pro were r remarkable for that. 
Um, but anyways, that's neither here nor there. That's just me ranting about stuff. <laughs> but uh, for anybody wondering, uh, for my music choices, it's typically um, jazz and acoustic music. By the way, I've mentioned this before that, you know, certain, even just the last video that I was doing, certain um, uh, types of tuning are better for jazz and certain types of tuning are better for other genres. I don't want to loop jazz in with classical music necessarily for those tunings because I think that there's something with jazz that doesn't happen with other genres as much and it's that you get this overly warm and syrupy kind of tone to jazz um, and that's to do with both the instruments that are being played but also the point of the music is to be relaxing for most for a lot of it um, so obviously there's some experimental stuff or that's really not <laughs> relaxing at all but uh, but a lot of it is that sort of like you know it, there is such a thing as smooth jazz for a reason uh, it's because people want that kind of like warmer kind of syrupy you know less fatiguing kind of sound and then when you use headphones that are particularly bassy or warm sounding uh, that's it's it's the doubling down effect just muffles the hell out of everything it makes so it muddy doesn't it Exactly, yeah, and it muddies it up. And I find that when you brighten up, I mean, somebody was again asking me this earlier, but when you brighten up, when you use a, a slightly brighter headphone, again, I, I use the Sandara or those Hi-Fi planers for this, uh, but uh, it'll give clarity to those areas that are already a little bit warm. So it's like counteracting and counterbalancing a little bit. Uh, and then the flip side for music that tends to be a bit more aggressive uh, I, I find that's where I more gravitate towards the, the, the warmer stuff because I do listen to... I'm a bit of a metalhead as well. At least uh, I <laughs> I was for a long time. You know, rock, punk, metal, that kind of stuff too. So actually everything you're saying, Wheezy, it, uh, everything you're saying, it's <laughs> eerily familiar. <laughs> everything from, you know, getting into it, uh, into the hobby from, you know, the gaming side of things to, to uh, you know, um, being a amateur musician to at least in my case i was <laughs> let's say failed musician <laughs> yeah. tyler yeah. do you play any instruments or <laughs> instruments uh uh no i i draw my fingers i whistle um <laughs> i never had that bug but I've, actually the thing i always wanted to learn is piano, piano oh was the one i always wanted to learn that was my uh i love piano that's music. That's the best one to start on, because yeah. It... So actually, I want to. I was actually looking at doing that, like starting like a, uh, just learning, you know. Um, yeah. And so I also figured out what the problem with the camera was. I think I have it on a timer, like a shutdown timer. <laughs> Obviously, I'm not a YouTuber, so I haven't set it for. So anyway, so if I lose it, I'll just restart it. But uh, yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, that was uh, not a not a music person but I actually grew up my uh um dad was a huge music lover huge collection uh and then my stepmom was a uh a traditional bassist um, but she also did jazz bluegrass concert symphony um rock everything i mean you could you name it um but so was, you had like instruments around and like constantly. hearing music Const yeah, live music time. constantly like it was so yeah. funny like i i for you know, looking back, I was such a little turd, you know, like I had this wealth of knowledge and wealth of like experience <laughs> that I was just like, oh, they're playing their music again. I want to hit my hip hop or my, you know what I mean? Like I was looking back, it's like, God, I, what kid got to go to concerts every weekend or, or got to go to uh, live music shows every weekend? Yeah. You know? and, 
And I was like, oh, they're dragging me to another bar or dragging me to another symphony or another. <laughs> it's like, look at him like, God, I wish I could just slap that kid, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah. But uh, it's, yeah, there's, so there's definitely those, those aspects where it's, um, I, I think it, it's funny. Like I was constantly surrounded by music growing up. Like it was just, you know, the nature of, of growing up in that realm, I guess. And, uh, and so it's funny. I didn't really come back to music until, I got into the headphones, to be honest, and and I always, you know, you listen to music all the time with like, uh, like, with you, you, you kind of get it, like, like you, you're mentioning, like, you just throw them in and you're you're doing your day to day, and I did that all the time, like I was, you know, but I was listening to, you know, uh, Skull Candies or like, uh, <laughs> you know, like, was, you know, nothing, nothing fancy, nothing. It was like ten, fifteen bucks, and if I lost them, I'm like whatever. I think I was super stoked. I started running marathons when I I broke my wrists and. uh and so I was running marathons, and so like uh, I, I was so stoked because I got the Bose Sound Sports or whatever, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. and I was like, "Oh, music is so much better now!" And it's like, like it was crazy. Like, um, but yeah, I think that's that's kind of how I feel about it, to be honest. And having that reference point of uh, somebody, I see somebody in the chat talking about reference points, but I think if if real live instruments and knowing what that sounds like. I think if there's a, if there is a, a reference point, it should be something like that. <laughs> and then that's always what everything is sort of evaluated against. Um, but uh, actually, I want to uh, you, men you mentioned the uh, uh, skull candies. I want to I want to find uh, some of those cat ear headphones and then like <laughs> review huh. them and put them on the ears rig and see what happens. Uh, so I keep getting these emails uh, from people who produce them and they keep wanting to collaborate with me and I'm, I'm tempted to take them up on that because uh, I think it'd be a ton of fun uh, but also I, I have a friend who uh, well basically the, the headphone sound quality doesn't matter uh, the only thing that actually matters is what they look like so they have to be pink and they have to have cat ears <laughs> so I figure I'll just borrow something like that and then uh, you know drop it on the ears rig there's i have a ton of headphones like not me personally but like uh people around like pe people in my family they there are headphones that i they keep saying because they know i do this re review thing they keep saying like hey can you can you review these <laughs> or me measure these to see how they do and it's like that will not do well <laughs> it's like one of them is like this sort of half broken on ear thing i think there's a i have a grado up there somewhere um and actually these uh, these ones. This is the I've already uh, I've already opened it up. That but they're in the box now. The, the Bose, sorry, Beats. And it's the same thing basically. The Beats <laughs> Solo Three Wireless is going to be the next uh, review that I'm going to be doing. And the the thing is though, like everybody sort of expects that to be bad because it's like it's it's kind of like the meme of the serious audiophile community. Let's serious audiophile the enthusiast community. Uh, you know that that beats are are terrible, but I think, wouldn't it be cool if if it turned out that they were actually good? Which I'm not expecting them to be, but <laughs> it it would be really funny if I always like finding those little counter narratives and counter um, contrarian ideas. And if something like like the Beats Solo Three is actually any good, I'm super skeptical. But I think it would still be cool. Actually, it's an on ear, so I'm bound to hate it no matter what yeah, because on ears shouldn't be a thing. Yeah, uh, I wanted to jump in real quick. Uh, uh, Pro Falcon, I've had a question regarding um, 
So his question is, what do you think causes the biggest rift between reviewers and their audience? Is the is it the wonky audio file vocabulary, personal preference, or uh, that there is no standard headphone gear used as a point of reference? Um, I, I can. I'm not a, a hardcore yeah reviewer, but I'll I'll, I'll just do it real quick. Um, my my opinion of it is is more as a, a filthy uh, casual is that it's um, uh, that there's. You know, if there's an incentive, I guess so that that's a part of it. But incentive's not really that big of a deal to me, as long as they're just being honest. Like you can, like yeah. uh, Andrew, you're really good at this. Like it's, hey, if this isn't good here, then eh. and, I mean, I think that's that's a big part of it. And same Wheezy with your reviews. I was watching your reviews, same thing. Like as long as you're just you're just giving your opinion, you're honest about it. If there's an issue, um, but at the same time, also like uh, both of you guys are really good at this, um, and I try to do as much as possible whenever I have that come up. Is uh, um, is you highlight the negatives, but you don't need to be a excuse my language but like this is bad but jerk you know you don't have to be a jerk about like uh yeah. it, what you're saying you know you can say it, make it constructive or make it you know you, you don't have to be like oh f this this is this made my ears bleed and they're hot garbage <laughs> you know what i mean like there's a, the, someone put a lot of time and effort into that that product um even if it is a big company but a lot of times it's the, most of these hi-fi companies are not that big when you actually look at it Oh, a lot of the stuff we're reviewing, yeah, a lot of it's yeah, like, like, you know, boutique, super boutique. Boutique stuff, yeah. Like, so, I mean, when yeah. you look at it that way, it's like, they poured their heart and soul into this thing, and and some kid's going to come along and just be like, oh, I, you know, I've heard someone taking a crap in the stall sound better than this or something. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm being facetious, <laughs> but like, you know, like, it's 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 just, it's it's not really constructive, it's not good, and so I think that kind of stuff is is you need to be real cautious with, for my, my opinion. I think that would be the disconnect. Um uh for me for uh for me the disconnect is uh there's a there's a number of things but i think the like if we're talking about disconnect as in like the inability to constantly communicate what we're thinking about about headphones um as clearly as we want to and everything is basically just boiled down to a video that has a start and a, and a, and a stop and you can't really it's harder to have that kind of like full dialogue like you would with just a person in conversation even just like we're having right now um that's why like i try and actually comment as like respond to the comments as much as i can because people will have questions but i think the biggest disconnect um if there is one is that uh for the most part i think you know we have certain understanding of how uh target curves work and how and and again, it's it's that in my mind, it's that idea of neutrality and what reference should be, and all of this. That I I feel like I I often run into this issue where I'll be talking about something in a video, and while I'm recording the video, it I'm feeling good about it. I'm feeling like okay, this is going to be you know people are going to get what I'm talking about. And then I go to the editing stage and I edit the video and I realize I've assumed way too much <laughs> of 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 my of, of the audience and I haven't been specific enough about and break it down enough into as simple terms as I as, as I should because I, I I realize even when showing measurements for example if I show the raw graph well, obviously the ears rig raw graph is not not good anyways but if I show the raw graph. Uh, for something, even if I pull it from somewhere else and it is accurate, somebody's going to think that that should measure like a flat line because they don't understand that a raw graph needs to be compensated. So stuff like that, if I take it for granted that my audience knows this, 
I'm, I'm failing. I'm alienating <laughs> a lot of people there because the, the, the bottom line is that most, pe most people probably don't uh, know about that. And maybe the ones who are specifically following audiophile reviewers, headphone reviewers, maybe they do know about this. But, uh, you know, it's, it takes a long time to not only build up the experience with different equipment and different headphones, but to understand the way that things are supposed to sound. And then looking at how that translates visually to graphs and measurements and stuff like that, I, I worry that, that the, te the overly technical side of stuff that I often find myself going down the rabbit hole of, because I just enjoy learning about that stuff, I find that that often is the thing that it's the hardest to communicate in a bite-size 10-minute segment, or, you know, it could take an hour <laughs> uh, for one little, you know, topic and then that it still needs to be a review about something so uh yeah in my mind the biggest disconnect at least for me is assuming that everybody has the same understanding for uh you know reference curves and and neutrality and and the way that so for example the way that the pinna and the concha and the head shape and everything in the ear canal and the eardrum the way that all of those different gain factors affect the the um the way it sounds and the frequency response that's something that i mean it's even taken me a long time to, to properly understand that stuff and just it's a matter of going down the rabbit hole a little bit more and you know reading more and learning more and uh, i can't expect that everybody has done that um, but that's one of the things i like about wheezy's content and his reviews is that he's very good at breaking that down into simple terms so that people can understand it um and so i yeah i'll i'll, I'll let him <laughs> answer that question uh, yeah thanks for that um mostly it's uh i've got to break it down in simple terms for myself so it's uh <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> that helps yeah. i imagine yeah i think i think part of the job isn't it um when you're doing a review is to um to try and make it relatable because it's it's when, when we go through all of this learning ourselves because it is sometimes really quite complicated and it takes us a long time to understand it. And I mean, sometimes we're making videos where we're getting stuff wrong. I'm, I'm, I'm sure you've probably felt the I've same done thing. Yeah, where <laughs> I've removed uh, videos. <laughs> I, I, I can look back at most of my videos and go, right, I didn't like that. I didn't like that. I didn't like that. In fact, I'm quite hard on myself. I, I, since I've been doing this, I've been. I'm going to just release a video, whether it's perfect or not. But I try and get the actual content right. But sometimes I don't always get it right in a way that it can be understood uh, where like oh, I'm, I'm trying to hint at something but it didn't quite read that way in in the replay mm -hmm. even though i've said exactly what i wanted to say but like i've yeah. left some ambiguity there and i shouldn't have done and that's kind of <laughs> led to questions like oh well, why did you say this it's like uh well can you not read between the lines <laughs> um <laughs> So yeah, reading a comment that's afterwards really, going, yeah. that's what you took from this? <laughs> yeah. And, but, and also, um, yeah, but back to this question um, about audiophile vocabulary. You, you touched on this in a video the other day, didn't you? And um, uh, I'm guilty of this myself as well, where I have used certain terminology differently in some of my videos and then later used them differently. Like um, dynamics, that was one that yeah, you yeah. brought up. Dynamics is an annoying one because 
when I think of dynamics, I think of dynamic range and I think about variances in dynamic range and how quickly it can change between like loud and quiet and things like that without any kind of weirdness happening. But also I can understand why you mean by dynamics being slammed. So it's like, I, I guess I've used both terminologies with the same word and maybe we need to, you know, be more specific about that sometimes and yeah it's all part of the learning process as being a reviewer i suppose but um that's uh that's actually uh, max setting's fault the, <laughs> the, i'm not it's not his fault but i'm gonna blame him anyways it's uh, uh the because he uses the term dynamics only in reference to the punch or slam quality uh and but before even you know throwing around these terms with a lot of the you know, people on various discords and even within the community on reddit and everywhere else before even bringing any of that stuff up i always was thinking of dynamics in that that other sense right of you know uh, uh the gradations for volume right and i even in one of my videos talked about it as gradations for volume because i do think that's still a thing um but I think it's different, and and maybe yeah, I think we need to not use the term dynamics to describe the slam or punch quality. Maybe that's just the end, the the, the bottom line. But it is an issue when you know, uh, one uh, person has a certain idea of what something means, and then the audience doesn't doesn't think of it the same way. Um, but yeah, yeah, I'll let you <laughs> continue. <laughs> I think uh, I've, I've done this. I've done the same with the word sweet. Um, okay, sweet tends to mean a slightly recessed vocal. It doesn't sound harsh or anything. But like, mm -hmm. I've used the word sweet on a few of my reviews where they've not been recessed. They just don't sound harsh. And that's what I was getting at. But I, I hope that it doesn't come across as uh, they're recessed because that's not what I mean. And sometimes like, I, I have to be careful... Mm -hmm. uh, with the way I say things and maybe only use the word sweet when I'm talking about recessed vocals and I don't know but and also to, to go back to another point about uh, criticizing stuff um, mm. that's that is always difficult because especially and this has only happened to me once um, so far especially when you get given a product you don't want to just go, this is absolute hot garbage. What the hell were you thinking in making this headphone? It is trash. Pull it from sale. And let's be honest, <laughs> they're, they're not going to work with you if you do that. So you need to be tactful with the way you say it. But sometimes being tactful is seen by some people as not being honest. And yes. that's a bit of a problem because... Then you're getting people calling you a shill. It's like, well, actually, I criticized this, 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 this. And pretty much the only good thing I said about it was this. And mm. read between the lines. I'm not going to sit here and go, this is absolute trash. But, you know, I put all the evidence out there for what I think about it. Even said, hang on, I don't really like this sound signature. But maybe if you like jazz, I'm sure it will work for you. And... I probably shouldn't say what headphone that is now after what I've just said, uh, but um, yeah, actually, <laughs> actually, because I'll, I'll go back and say, do you know what? Jazz is an interesting beast. Charles Mingus and um, yeah. um, what's the the gypsy guy with the the guitar? Um, um, Django Reinhardt. Oh yeah. His stuff on a headphone that doesn't have too much bass but has a, a good amount of forwardness in in the upper mids. 
just sounds amazing. And if you don't listen to that kind of music, you won't understand that actually some of these headphones that sound absolutely garbage on your music sound absolutely perfect on that jazz. So maybe yeah. I was too harsh, actually. Maybe I was too harsh on the X2HRs. You know, <laughs> I mean, I reviewed them and said, I don't like how bright they are. They're not just bright, because I can deal with bright. I got bare dynamic headphones. Yeah. Um, but it's peaky, it's grainy, it's sharp, and it's piercing, and it's like it, you're being stabbed in the ears with knives. Isn't it uh, awesome? But at least, the, at least the bass was good, is what I said. But actually, then I had a few comments saying, well, these are really good with jazz. And I thought, I, have I made a mistake? Should I have listened to more jazz on them and then said, actually, do you know what? I can see this might be a jazz headphone. I don't know. Maybe they've got too much bass for that. But yeah, there's, that, there's lots of there's so many like there's so many ways that you can um, alienate people by accident. And um, yeah, I, I those those two reviews that I'm, uh, that I'm just talking about. I I think I could have done them better. Let's be honest. <laughs> Hindsight, twenty twenty, right? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I, I was going to speak on the couple, two things actually. Um, the the vocabulary piece. There was actually a big long forum uh, dialogue about this specifically. And, um, I think uh, one of the ways we've gotten around it on the forum, anyways, is that uh, when we do mention it and if we catch it, then we say, "Oh, I'm using the word sweet." Um, I'll put in parentheses. Uh, this is what sweet means to me in that moment. So sweet mm -hmm. can mean different things at different times and different moments. Um, but if I clarify and put in parentheses, like, hey, this was sweet because of A, B, C, and D in that specific song or in that specific moment or with that chain of audio gear, and then move on. And then I say, I use sweet again in another review, but then I do that again by saying, hey, this is what I meant by the sweet part, or this is what I meant by uh, peaky, or this is what I meant by the dynamics. It, I think that can help it adds a lot but that's where it goes back to the written review that we we're talking about before too though like i think that's so much easier to do in a written review or in, when you're on video or you're in, in this kind of scenario you can't exactly like go oh pause uh <laughs> this is yeah. what i mean you know so maybe think, we should though maybe maybe yeah. that's like the answer <laughs> yeah it could be like uh, or maybe just a quick little like quip like hey sweet this quick yeah. and see if you can find it real quick but i mean that's uh i found that really helpful when I remember to do it <laughs> or if someone calls me out, you know, I'll be like, Oh, that's what I mean. I'll, I'll go back. Yeah. I'll try to find the song I was listening to. Um, kind of something that Martin has mentioned. I'll, I, I try my best to at least mention the songs I'm listening to while I'm doing my reviews. Mm -hmm. That's why I like the stream of conscious ones. Cause I can, I'll just, I'll literally just put the song and, and I'll write as I'm, uh, I'll, or I'll type up what I'm, I'm hearing as I'm listening to it. Unless I get lost and I'll lose, lose a couple tracks and just get lost listening to music. But, uh, um, but that's that's usually the how I would how I would approach it, and that's why I enjoy yeah. doing it that way. Um, I I think it's also important to recognize that like I mean reviews are just the way like yes there are objective points that we do focus on, but uh, like where it's just you know the, the measurements and stuff like that. But uh, it's okay that like if we experience something and we report on it. And we give a certain impression of it and then maybe we weren't paying attention to something that we should be paying attention to like i i don't feel that it's all that bad to be wrong um 
I, I feel like it, I mean, there's a certain, you know, responsibility, of course, and we have to tell report our experiences honestly and everything. But uh, if we revisit something a week later, spend more time with it, mm -hmm. listen to different tracks, listen to things that maybe it was more better suited for, listen to it on a different system, then there's absolutely, you know, a possibility that, oh, that first initial report or whatever it was, that's not the way that I feel about it now. And, um, and so, you know, like, that's one of the reasons why it often just takes so long to do reviews as well is because you net like you as a reviewer, that's like the worst feeling is if like, if somebody points something out and you, oh, man, I wish I tried it with this or with this and in this environment. And uh, because, you know, you the last thing you want is to be is to be wrong. Um, but I mean, the reality is, is that we're all we're all fallible and, and yeah. No yeah, it's perfect. possible to. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but that's also one of the things that I like about, you know, the frequency response measurements, obviously wishing that I could have them be more accurate than the mini DSP ears rig. And actually, have you guys seen um, Crin's new uh, setup for measurements? Uh, basically, uh, for the for the audience, it, what he's doing is he's using the at least how as far as I understand it, he's using the uh, mini DSP ears coupler, which is behind mm -hmm. me. Uh, or the rig, and then he's using the in-ear coupler mm -hmm. for for IEMs. And because the biggest flaw with the ears rig, one of the one of the major ones, is the uh, the inner ear or the the ear canal is not accurate to what it's it's just a hole to a microphone. There's no there's mm -hmm. nothing there. Uh, but uh, when it's hooked up to something that's specifically being designed to measure IEMs, you have a at least this is in my mind i'm super interested in this idea i mean i don't want to nobody wants to spend you know multiple thousands of dollars on uh industry standard equipment but if something like that's if it if it compares reasonably well to um some of those like the the grass or the bnk stuff uh it'd be really interesting to to do as kind of like a you know i know wheezy was interested in the you know diy solutions for, for measurements but that I mean, as far as I can tell, I mean, it seems like that would be a <laughs> a DIY solution that could almost compete with some of the industry standard stuff. Obviously, I don't think it'd be perfect, and you'd still need to do a little bit of smoothing there um, because it won't be uh, you know 100 percent. But the idea of combining a generic outer ear, like pin a concha system, like the uh, silicon piece of the ears rig with an in-ear coupler that's meant for measuring IEMs, <clears throat> even though they're they're both going to be imperfect to certain degrees, they're both to get together for over-ear headphones uh, more accurate than the one without. What do you guys think about that? I... <laughs> I mean, have, have you have you seen it? Or am I just <laughs> am I talking nonsense? I, I've seen a few things that Quinn's done uh, measurement-wise. Um, he also he used that Dayton microphone when he first started, didn't he? Um, with this little so. piece of PVC tube and put his yeah. IEMs in that. I'm actually considering doing something like that myself because the mini DSP is garbage when it comes to doing um, IEMs. Yeah, but, it's the um, worst. That's why I don't do it anymore for IEMs. Just don't. Well, I, I did a video on this the other day about um, about uh, the, the measurement rigs and um, I mean it's if if it's um, if that works. It, you know, using a proper, um, it's it's a proper. I forget the numbers. The uh, the standardized 
Oh, uh, the IC whatever compliant. Yeah. Okay, I can't remember the numbers either. It's yeah. using that proper standardized yep. um, coupler and yep. combining that instead of just like some random measurement microphone, combining a proper coupler like that into some kind of homemade flat plate or even not a flat plate, but using some kind of silicon ear. That's got to be... Um, that's got to be tweakable and workable. That's be interesting to see if it can be turned into something good. There, there are two things that like two that I worry about a little bit with that. Um, one of them is that at, I don't know how you develop a compensation target for it. Like you'd have to, you have to make that yourself as well, because uh, if you just use, I mean, you could probably start with the uh, the one for the ears rig and then just modify it to, you know, better incorporate the inner ear coupler part but uh but the other thing is like we don't 100 percent know where that is i i I can guess i think it's around four and a half k hertz (laughs) but uh it's unclear to me how that would necessarily affect i think it would take a lot of testing to make sure that that part was right to develop a compensation curve for it um but then the other thing is if you if we if we compare the results of that in the best case scenario say you measure I don't know. Say you measure an HD 650 on that and compare it to something that was done on a on a, on a gross uh, head and torso simulator, uh, and and you line it up and you match it perfectly, and it and it you get it so that it looks the same, pretty close to the same. What I worry about is that that doesn't necessarily mean that other transducer types will measure as accurately. So or distance to the pinna and concha right that can also have an effect or angle of the driver right the focal headphones all measure with this bizarre like because they have angled drivers on the ears rig they have this weird artifact that shows up for all of them uh that isn't there on more standard rigs uh or industry compliant rigs um and so i i worry that even if you do match it perfectly with one type of headphone that doesn't necessarily entail that it's going to match perfectly for all the other types of headphones because you still have to deal with distance issues and transducer types and angles and all of that. Um, so you'd have to constantly be <clears throat> checking against what other measure- measurements are out there for the same headphones. And then at a certain point, if you're constantly doing that, it I, I wonder what the point is because you'd always need that other reference point. <laughs> um, because in many ways, one of the things I love about doing measurements or the idea of doing measurements is that I could I could measure headphones for, uh, uh, I could provide measurements for headphones where no measurement already, no measurement exists, right? Yeah. And that was exciting for like the headphone when we first, when we first got it. I mean, that was like the first time that some somebody had had a measurement of it. It was obviously an imperfect measurement because it's on the ears rig. Uh, but it's exciting because that's the only measurement of it that exists, <laughs> right? Before it got to some of the other, you know, I know Jude published his, I think. Um, but being able to get something that's accurate for stuff that, you know, there's no other way to, you know, visually represent that that information. I, that's exciting to me. And so that's why I'm, I'm looking at what Crin's doing and I'm going, I want to do that <laughs> uh, or something like it. What? what uh, sorry, what about that guy that does the ones where he does the in-ear microphones for, I mean, obviously for... Oh, Olive? But yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think that's uh, another interesting way to do it. The one, I mean, this is a minor issue with that. Um, I think it's probably going to be more accurate than the ears rig. Um, mm. But the one issue, because it, again, he's using 
for the most part, he's using an, an ear, his own ear canal, right? Mm-hmm. So um, it's going to be he, unique to him. So first of all, yeah, the the issue would be that it's unique to his ear. Um, but at the very least, you can get an under, you can get a sense of how he hears it, right? And that's super helpful. Um, but the other issue is that, and I don't know 100% of this is going to be an issue, but I imagine it would be. Part of the ear canal gain factor is also the drum, the eardrum. And if you're using microphones inside the ear, you can only go so far. <laughs> so I, I imagine you still, you're still limited there. Uh, to the to for the inner ear for not the inner but for the for the ear canal uh so it won't it won't perfectly get the gain factors that you want uh, or accurately represent them but i think it would still be like i think getting an ic whatever that number is <laughs> compliant uh in-ear coupler would still be more accurate for in-ears than somebody putting microphones in their ears uh and then measuring it that way uh, but i still think that doing the in-ear microphones in the ears is more accurate than the mini DSP ears rig, and that's also something that I'm, I'm looking into. I'm actually thinking I'm trying to figure out what would be the the least cumbersome solution for that. And part of me feels like it is what Olive's doing, um, just because it's it's very quick. Um, but in any case, uh, what do you what do you think, uh, Weezy? Uh, yeah, um, Olive's um, his. I've seen his uh, videos that he's used that. He's got a really thin cable so that it doesn't uh, yeah. cause any issues with the seal stuff like that uh, I, i'm not i haven't looked in, in looked at it too closely but um i think i don't think it's the microphone's not like properly in the ear canal so the ear canal is probably not in the equation i think it's like an earplug with the microphone yeah the that's outside. what it looks like is that right so, so I, again i'm not 100 percent on how yeah, it's being done outside. Yeah, this uh, they're like little microphones. You just he literally slides it into your, ear, and then it's and then you put the um, uh, your, your headphones on afterwards. Sorry, it's I, the, the, the yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so so but in any case, it would still be missing the ear canal gain factor mm. and the eardrum gain factor. So it, it's getting the um, the the human ear the the, the pinna. Um, getting, getting the pinna and the concha correct, but it's at least to to his ear. Right, but it'd still yeah. be missing the whatever the gain factors are, and like looking at that old. I mean, I, I don't know a hundred percent where those the in the ear canal and eardrum gain factors will amplify. Uh, so which frequency range? But looking at those older, um, looking at those older uh, graphs from tiles, what Tile was working on, um, or he showed where the gain factors occur. Again, I don't know if those are accurate, but if you compare that to the mini DSP ears rig, uh, that one of them is is right where that uh, it's actually a little bit higher up. I think one of the artifacts in the ears rig is a little bit higher up than where that uh, ear canal gain factor occurs. But you could also, in theory, devise the compensation curve to account curve to account for the fact that the ear canal and drum resonance gain factor is not applicable <laughs> but then it just means that whatever you're using there is inaccurate no matter what and you just have to ignore that section of the frequency response but i think most people are probably doing that anyways um getting untechnical again here <laughs> so i think we've kind of gone down the rabbit hole a bit uh al, al besher asks uh darth pool why the s why is the sr1a so controversial 
Uh, so for sorry, I, my camera's been weird, but uh, um, for <laughs> I saw that comment in the, the thing. I was gonna see if anyone wanted to talk about it, but uh, for me, like the it's controversial because I think everyone expects it to be um, like this. You know, it 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 does a lot of things where it comes as close as possible to speakers, right? So like that's uh, or it has that that perception, anyways, um, and so. Um, I think that that's, that's where the issues come into play. Um, if that makes sense. Like, so, sorry, I'm trying to reset my camera here a little bit too. Um, there we go. Uh, so like, so with it, I think that's, it's also expensive. It's, uh, it uses speaker amps, you know, like it uses things that aren't, uh, the normal setup of things. Um, it's, I don't know, it's. And on top of that, I think it really at the end of the day, it's just because it's it's not like anything else. You know what I mean? Like it's it's it looks pretty crazy. <laughs> yeah, it looks crazy. It's it's uh, I mean, it's using technology. It's using ribbon technology. Um, it, I mean, to me, these if you were looking for something that is. If you like HD 800, for instance, right, or if you like something just a detailed monster or like a soundstage and imaging <clears throat> where it just it hides nothing like that's that's what this is you know like i uh, i think that they they marketed it after you know portable studio type work which i think i don't i'm not a i'm not a studio guy i mean i i, I like music <laughs> but uh like that i think to me though that that's what this is like it's it's the it's pretty amazing set of headphones i wouldn't call them headphones personally i don't think of them as headphones i think of them as near field speakers that just go on your head so i call i call them the near near field speakers you know um, <laughs> like they, they, I, I it's think like wearing it's like holding two boom boxes on either shoulder <laughs> yeah like, really, like it, it's they're not like i wouldn't that's why i have a hard time comparing people compare the instance um not as in the 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 headphone um and i don't think it's a fair comparison even though they're both kind of similar in degrees but they're not and because like kind of goes back to that you're talking about the the way your, your ear canal shaped or your, your ears are with the sr1a it actually is a more natural way of sending that that sound wave to your ear right like so it's it's sending it in that way rather than headphones you know right right because it's it's doing it at a 45 degree angle yeah or even wider depending on how you do the flat yeah 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 i mean it's 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 not it's not a fair comparison in my opinion and they just they do they, they do things differently and they're i would say they're the closest thing you're going to get to a near field speaker system uh on your head and they to me like they're perfect for like a, an apartment living or if you're yeah um, uh or if you are like a, a mobile studio type person that you'd want to have something like that like it's especially with the mm -hmm. new jotunheim r like it's so portable now it's crazy like we you went to seattle yeah yeah that's what that's what you used yeah it's crazy like it's you can just literally set up and have a computer and that thing and it's and you have essentially a little portable i mean the sound quality wise um and and they are controversial also because uh so many people praise them right so yeah um, and and like you said you didn't necessarily like them i don't think andrew or taryn necessarily liked them that much either like um, well, I I didn't dislike them. I just I I was thrown off by them because I I I think I was expecting something that they are not intended to be. 
Um, and and that's, I think that's the other reason is yeah. that right there is, is people are expecting them to be headphones and they're, yeah. I, they're not like I, in my opinion, like they're just yeah. not, they're, they're a different <laughs> beast. Um, yeah. uh, so there's that. Um, and I think, yeah, like that first initial listening to them too. Like I, even I, when I first to them, I was like, I, I, I get it. They're, they're amazing. But at the same time, it wasn't like, but I have HD 800s or I have the full cow clears or, you know, mm -hmm. like, but then after, like, and you kind of mentioned earlier too, is like, uh, you know, having them in hand and having them readily available to me and listening to them consistently all of the time, uh, and then you go back to something else like a Clear or an HD hundred. I think that's that's when you really start to see the difference in a headphone and or any gear actually. Like, if you uh, think of it like immersion, you know, like uh, if I immerse myself in only this one headphone and only this chain, right, mm -hmm, for mm -hmm. a week straight. And then I went, okay, well, now let me go back to um, a headphone that I used to listen to just for all the time, like my standard uh, headphone that I listen to all the time. And then I put that on, and I'll instantly be able to go, well, this is listening to that same track. I'm picking up where yeah. this does this differently than that one. Like, you'll be able to pick it up more. Um, I think a lot of that's brain burning. I think that's a thing that people uh, don't realize a lot of times, too. It's like you, you get acclimated to your source that you listen to all the time, right? So... Mm -hmm. it, it, when you put something new on that you're not used to, uh, your brain will tell you that's not right. Like it doesn't, it you know, it's not, it's not the thing that should, it doesn't sound right. It's the normalization. Uh, yeah. yeah, exactly. It's normalization. So uh, when you put that into con in, into perspective, um, I think that's where it needs to come into play. Like where where the controversy comes into play for a lot of mm -hmm. actually even reviewers, for instance. Like I think that's a big piece too. Like you you need to kind of think about that a little bit too. You know, I mean, you need I, to spend uh, more time with it before. Yeah, that's why yeah. I didn't want to say, you know, I, I didn't want to say whether I liked it or not, because just from that one experience of listening, I was like that. I was thinking, I, that's not enough. I, <laughs> I need to spend, <laughs> spend more time. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I just wanted to uh, go through a few of the questions here in the in the chat. Uh, and maybe actually everybody, if you guys have questions for any of us, uh, I, I do want to ask a few things from, from you still, Wheezy. <laughs> but first, maybe let's uh, get everybody to ask questions in the chat. And I'll, I'll, I want to address a few of the things that I've been seeing here. Uh, somebody says that Harman tuned, asks if Harman tuned the mini DSP ear. The, uh, so I'm not sure about that. Um, but the one thing that I do know is that for the mini DSP ears rig, you, you generally have, uh, for over-ear headphones, you have two compensations. One of them is the HEQ compensation, which is based on the Harman target. Um, so if you want something to measure close to, if you want to represent something uh, the way that it would compare to a Harman uh, curve, uh, <clears throat> that's the HEQ compensation. And I do show that a lot for headphones that, uh, that uh, I think are like the Harman target. So for example, these ones like the LCD one with the reveal mm -hmm. plus, uh, DSP plugin, I would like to uh, show the, uh, it, the way it measures up with the HEQ compensation. Cause that demonstrates better its linear qualities relative to that Harman target, because that's one of the things that it's, it's known for being good for. Uh, but the one downside with that is that given the rigs, uh, inaccuracy, uh, well, there's two issues with it. One, but one of them is that because of the, the because the rig isn't perfectly accurate, you you even with the Harman compensation that they're using, you wind up with uh, less accurate results for even with that compensation. And then if you compare 
uh, across other measurement rigs, like for example, tiles, what tile was doing in the past. So there's a huge database there of all the measurements that were done. Those weren't done on anything that has that compensation in it, or even something it's not using a compensation like that. Uh, that's closer to what MiniDSP has for the HPN compensation. And the HPN compensation is what a lot of reviewers will prefer to use because it's the one that is going to be a little bit more accurate. Um, so it doesn't, and, and it's where it gets a little bit weird because you, you, you want to show that a headphone is linear to the Harman curve, but you also want to show that it's accurate. And for accuracy, you would use the HPN compensation, but then if it is actually a headphone that you know matches the Harman curve it'll mm -hmm. look like it's not accurate it'll look elevated in the base and you know uh, not as uh, it'll, it'll measure warm essentially and then if you compare that again to some of the older measurements that Tile was doing most of the headphones for his compensation curve they also measured warm uh, so that's why he just said I don't pay attention to that I just look at the <laughs> I look at the raw graph which we can't do with the mini DSP ears rig so uh, it, I mean it does take a little bit of understanding of what that rig does and the compensations being used but I think as long as we specify which target curve is being used which compensation is being used whether it's HEQ or HPN that should be uh, good enough I think um, I always put that at the top of my graph so that yeah there's yeah. no uh, there's no ambiguity there Vicky loves headphones. Says I have a mini DSP ears. A mini DSP. If Harman did the tuning, they did a pretty poor job. <laughs> uh, yeah. So that's that's the issue. Is that it's it's not uh, it's not about whether or not Harman the Harman curve is is a good curve. It's it's that that rig is just not accurate. And when you're using the HEQ compensation, you're you're trying to get it close to matching what a Harman curve would be. But don't don't think that that's actually the Harman curve. Um, it's just it's based on it. Um, okay, let's go through uh, some of the what, people, what folks are saying in the chat here. Um, okay, so uh, let's let's go through a bunch of headphones that are our favorites. For uh, okay, let's let's start with the like mid fi closed back headphones. Uh, I'll, I'll 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 throw to Wheezy on that one. Um. Should I say K371 that I've got on my head? Um, I think technically the K371 might be one of the more uh, better. More better, is that? Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> honestly, I cannot stop loving the DT770 Pro. It's just got the, it's just got the right mix of qualities to it that makes it a absolutely fantastic headphone. And maybe I wouldn't listen to too much music on them without a bit of EQ, but... Um, they're super comfortable. If you break them, you can replace any part on it. Not that you're likely to break them because they're literally bomb-proof. Well, maybe not literally, but and just whether I'm, I, I think you spend probably I do anyway. Spend most of my time wearing headphones, not listening to music. I'm watching YouTube. I'm watching Netflix. Yeah. I'm playing video games or whatever, and. The DT770, I just I put them on my head and I, this is so nice. I don't want to take them off. Is so that, that the, that's why? Uh, what's the impedance on that one? These are the 250. 250s, okay. Yeah. Um, I know that the the 80s are probably a little bit more exciting because they've got a bit more bass, but um. But isn't that I, I also? I like the cord cable, so. It, it, isn't <laughs> it also that you get uh, 
with the two well with the higher impedance like i know that there's uh for the because i used to have the dt880 uh i think i had one that it's like 600 ohms i think there was a higher one as well and with the higher ohm with the higher higher impedance values you you ended up getting better performance because you didn't have to make concessions for the voice coil. Um, at least that was my understanding. Someone can correct me if I'm wrong. But when you lowered, basically you when you made the, the headphone more efficient, it became less technically capable as well. Um, so if you, so that that's why I was asking about the, which uh, impedance one is uh, it was. Because I also, as far as I understand it, the higher impedance ones are increasingly more rare because most people were just, they didn't want to have amps and DACs and stuff like that. They didn't want to have sources that could power them. Um, or that it was required <laughs> to power them, um, and they ended up just buying the more efficient ones. Which, in my mind, is you know for the enthusiast, that's a bummer. <laughs> Thing is, the eighty ohm and the thirty two ohm, they're, they're the same sensitivity, so it's not exactly like even the eighty ohm is easy to drive in the grand scheme. Right, screen. right. Yeah. You know, I think you're better off using an amp with any DG seven seventy that you buy. So does the I, I can't use it on my Focusrite interface as a monitoring headphone because right. it just doesn't have the juice to drive it. Does the does the DTE seven seventy is there a six hundred ohm for that one or is it only just the two fifty? I there might have been a pro version. It was a completely it was oh, a maybe. facelift, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah was it, I think there was one. I think they, all the bears have a have a higher level. Yeah, I, I remember that there was the older ones, like the originals. Yeah, the older ones, yeah. Yeah, yeah. they yeah. there was a always that tier um okay uh tyler uh, what, what's your favorite mid-fi close back <laughs> uh and you can't say what, the full what, Allegia because that's not mid-fi <laughs> <laughs> uh, mid-fi close back uh tough um close back mid-fi uh i would have to go with the fostex honestly uh, but they're the, semi-open, so it's kind of tough. Like the the THS, this, this uh, one right TH, here, me. Yeah, 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 yeah. The TH series. Um, I think uh, those are probably the ones I'd go with. Um, as far as, I mean, I have my propellers back here. Um, yeah, yeah. I think that would be that would be the one I'd go with. Um, yeah, mine too. That's actually my answer. Is the for me? It's the Ebony. Actually, I was I was surprised because I got at that Seattle meet. I got to compare the Ebony and the Mahogany. And the mahogany is way lighter. It's like, I it felt like it was like a hundred grams less, even more. Like I felt like it was like almost half the weight. <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know what's going on there. But actually, there I like it because it's the the first like headphone where I could say, oh, it's my favorite headphone was actually that Denon AD two thousand, the older one. And I used that even when I had like uh, I had high fm planers, Odyssey planers, and I always loved that Denon headphone because it was. So it was way more comfortable than any of those other ones. Of course, everybody knows I'm a, I'm a bit of a necklet, but uh, <laughs> with and I love the pads and everything about them. And then when these guys, uh, this is this is the drop version, the TRX00. The um, I think that's the one with the removable cable. And that's the only thing they really changed. Um, when that came out, uh, everybody was all about that, and and I actually I never I never bought one. Uh, with, uh, back when they, you know, the, the TH uh, stuff, but my friend had one, and I remember I, I'd always borrow his headphones. <laughs> I'd always be like, "Can I use your TR or THX series or Ebony?" So that was when I I first kind of fell in love with that series. But uh, I'm gonna move on to another question here. 
Someone says, is the LCD-1 any good? This is from, um, uh, yeah, I can't say that name. Uh, is the LCD-1 any good? Uh, there was a lot of hate for it on one particular channel. Um, yeah, I actually did a review of the LCD-1. I don't know, have either of you guys heard the LCD-1 yet? I think I had the, no, I did hear it. I heard it at the Seattle meet, I think. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, 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 first impression, literally like a minutes. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it wasn't. It goes back to what I was saying before. Like, I can't give a valuable uh, assessment of it at this stage. But, I mean, it mm -hmm. might right off the bat. Like, I, I I can say, though, for me, I can put a headphone on and, and I'll know in, more or less instantly if I'm going to like it personally. And I personally, I was. it's not my thing. Um, but I'm also not the biggest plan art guy. So I'm uh, probably the wrong person to ask, which that's another thing. Like, some yeah. people just don't yeah. like <laughs> Or ever, you know. Some people are plan art guys. Some people are dynamics. Some people are IEMs. I think the LCD one is a good subject though because the so Wheezy, have you had a chance to hear it? I haven't. That's one that I really, really want to get my hands on, but yeah, yeah, um, one day. I, if if Odyssey is at any point watching this, send this man all of the headphones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Um, all of them. All of them. Yeah, yeah. just get him. Make have him review everything. I want to hear what his his, his opinion is of the LCD four. Yeah. That'll be a lot of fun. Uh, but so, do you uh, are you comfortable doing a little bit of EQ? to like say using equalizer apo or some software i use equalizer apo all the time but um not very good at making my own eq <laughs> presets so i use um for the most part and sometimes i tweak them uh, for the most yeah. part i use um oratory 1990s profiles mm -hmm. uh so okay but with that so the reason i ask is because uh the lcd one i think uh it gets a bit of a bad reputation I, I don't know which channel this person is um, referencing, but uh, I think the reason for that is if you just listen to this with the default uh, tuning without using the Reveal Plus DSP, it doesn't sound as good as it could be. And it's not like it changes a lot, um, but it does. So, for example, the default tuning here, the bass rolls off a bit. Uh, not the not as extreme as what ratings is showing like it still extends decently far but it's like it sits lower than the harmon elevation uh and then when you use the and also there's a three i think it's around three k three k hertz there's a bit of a bump there with a two k hertz recession so it's it um emphasizes the bump but so it's it sounds a little bit congested that's that's the way i'm going to describe it you know experientially it's a bit congested when I just use this without Reveal Plus. But Odyssey has given the Reveal Plus plugin for free. Um, and this they have a preset for the LCD-1. And when you use it, it just fixes those little issues. They're not extreme issues, they're, they're very minor. Um, and it fixes those, so it evens out the frequency response to closer to a Harman target, pretty close to it. So it elevates the bass, gives it that shelf. Um, and then it actually, like I find it just, it opens everything up a little bit. Uh, and it sounds way less congested. It sounds much nicer. Um, and so my my suspicion is that the if you're seeing it get some hate, it might be because they're not using the Reveal Plus. Um, it could be. Uh, the other, there are two major drawbacks with the LCD-1. The first is that it doesn't have any kind of punch. It doesn't have any slam call. It's, it's just, it's wimpy. Uh, the other drawback is uh that it doesn't have much for stage uh, but i think 
I mean, it's a tiny headphone. It's it it's the same size basically as the sign on here. Maybe it's a little bit bigger, but it's a it's a really small headphone. So we can't. And it, like the other thing too is it is a planar. We can't. We probably shouldn't expect it to have crazy punch and slam for a planar that is like 250 grams, like or however. It's super light. Um, and you know because they're not it's not double-sided and it's also I mean it's a smaller diaphragm and you know you you really can only do so much with the space that you have so if you think about it if the punch quality or that slam quality comes from the excursive capability of the transducer you need for planars because it's all even you don't have that uh, well not for all of them but for most of them it's it's just uh, sort of a uh, even sheet there uh, you don't have the luxury in, in as far as uh, the pistonic motion for the for the transducer to be able to have high ex excursion high excursive force uh, whereas with dynamic drivers you do because it's more of kind of like a cone shape or a like a the shape to it is is better for uh, better suited for uh, high excursion so in my mind a lower end super lightweight planar like this that's actually really small and it's portable I don't think we can ever expect it to have a ton of slam or punch, so I'm not really that bothered by it. Um, but the stage does get to me, so that's <laughs> those are the only two real drawbacks, I'd say. It sounds like maybe a little bit more open than a M50X, which is not high praise whatsoever. Oh wow! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's real tight. Um, now it sounds M50X way better. M50X might as well be right inside your ear. Yeah, yeah, it's an in-your-head kind of thing. But, like, it's a way better tonality and frequency response than the M50X. Like, the M50X, like, that's a headphone I have no reservations about saying it's hot garbage. They're <laughs> talking about being jerks, but that's a I've, headphone I've, that... <laughs> I've got a lot of opinions about the M50X. Most of them unpopular, but... <laughs> oh, um, really? Yeah. Um, we can go into that, if you like. Yeah, but, yeah, um, by all means. Yeah, the, yeah. the LCD ones first. The LCD ones, they, they sound... Sure. and. I've only had a quick look, and I, I haven't really paid that much attention in, to the reviews that much. Um, I know that Metal likes them, and yeah. that's enough for me to to <laughs> want to hear them myself, you know. Yeah, yeah. But um, <clears throat> um, it, it looks to me like they are a planar HD 600, HD 650 sort of. Is that how they sound, or...? Uh, not quite, because... Well, I mean, it, it succeeds in the areas where the HD 650... 50 is where, where there are shortcomings so i'd actually say it's closer i mean uh, again somebody can chime in on this as well but to, to my to my ear it sounds closer to the hd 660 uh or the even the hd 600 because the lcd one is more treble treble focused like it's actually the treble is the shining quality of this headphone uh so both in terms of extension and in terms of like the perception of detail um, and then also better extended in the bass, whereas the 650 is more mid-centric, uh, and it rolls off a bit in the bass, and it's smooth. It's not quite as well extended in the treble as well. So for me, it yeah, it's closer to the 660s, but even I think even more well extended in both ends, and that's really the advantage of the planar driver. Um, yeah, that's how I see it. I th I think there's probably a market for. Um a Sennheiser tuned planar or something like that um, yeah. with a bit better extension than the HD650. I reckon yeah. there's probably a, a market for that. Yeah, my, my only issue with it is that the Sundara is 50 bucks less and is better. 
<laughs> just about all aspects. <laughs> so, but it's also not as portable and it's not as efficient and it's not as, you know, all those other qualities. Um, it's not as small. It's less comfortable for sure. So, um, it's a trade-off. Um, we were getting at something though. The M50X. Yes. Yes, we were talking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right, what's I, your take I on think... that? Well, it's, I, I find it really weird um, how if you go back five years ago or six years ago, whenever it was it came out, there were so many people singing its praises. And I, I know MKBHD uh, probably is part of the responsibility for that. But mm -hmm. um, so many people were singing its praises and now so many people, you can't find anyone who wants to admit that they like them. And <laughs> like there's a huge disconnect between those two points of opinion where the truth probably lies somewhere in the middle. And, um, and again, it goes back to what we were saying earlier about, um, preferences and things like mm -hmm. that. I think the M50X, I can see why people liked it back then. And I can see why I was one of those people that liked it back then. And if you go now, back that far, especially there's a lot of us, yeah, the M no, the M50X, because I never okay. got in on the M50. Um, okay. I was a bit late to the party, and I didn't really want to get one without a removable cable, so I waited, and then they released it, so it was like, perfect, right. I'll buy that. And, um, but like, you know, we've come from gaming, we were talking that, about that earlier. I'm, I'm sure, like me, you probably started out with some really crappy... Um, <laughs> gaming headsets and you've tried loads and loads oh, of different yeah. gaming headsets over the years trying to find one that wasn't absolutely trash but and ended up giving up on gaming headsets obviously but yeah. like to go from a gaming headset to something like an m50x there was a big jump in sound quality it did sound better than a lot of the crap that people were used to at the time and it had three removable cables it could be folded up into this nice, neat little package, and you could carry them with you wherever you went. And this is before Bluetooth wireless noise-canceling headphones were accessible. So mm -hmm. people weren't buying headphones like that. And so this M50X filled a void at a certain time of a, a portable headphone with above-average sound quality that was better than the average, you know, high street fare mm -hmm. and gaming headsets and stuff. Mm -hmm. And... It exploded in popularity because they were all right. But then people started to use them and they were like, hang on, these are uncomfortable. I have to stretch them out so much. <laughs> I almost broke the headband trying to make them comfortable. The ear pads are just trash. Just please. And then they were buying brainwaves pads and sticking those on them. I tried and it, they sound terrible if you do that. They sound yeah. absolutely awful. And people, they started to go out of fashion when people realized, actually, do you know what? There is better out there. But we didn't know there was better out there. But the M50X introduced them to this whole new world of audiophile headphones or that there was something more out there than the gaming headset or some some high street brand headphone. And it put them onto the right path and they moved on from it. And I think that's why I did my I did a review on them a little while back. Um it was more of a love letter to the M50X for what it was and what it meant at the time is it a good headphone probably not it should be the monitoring headphone that it was designed to be and maybe people shouldn't have been using a really cramped 
no soundstage professional monitoring headphone as a casual headphone in the first place but mm -hmm. I, you, you can see why it was popular at the time that's that's where that's why i i still have a soft spot for it it's like the uh i, th I think a lot of people have used this description but it's kind of like the the beats of the audiophile world um <laughs> the, these days at least because you see it all the time and you're and you're when you see people wearing them you go oh you care about music a little bit <laughs> you care about or you care you care about sound quality a little bit because it because it, it. <laughs> yeah it's it's elevated them beyond the fashion cans right they're not thinking about how it looks they're thinking about how it sounds at the very least right and they do look good i'll, I'll grant them that but i'm but i just mean like instead of getting the beats for the whatever reason uh they if somebody has an m50x i i respect them more <laughs> <laughs> you know, because then and then, you know, the person who's wearing the beats, um, or at least their their uh, appreciation of sound a little more, because at least it's a little bit elevated for the reasons that you mentioned. Um, but for me, with the M50X, the thing, so you mentioned, you know, going from those, not like the crappy, you know, gaming cans, like, uh, <laughs> it was actually the Denon D1001 that uh was the first real headphone that i got a real headphone it's it's um it's a small like it's, it's the same headphone as the creative orvana live now but back then it was the it, it was the denon so it's a fostex driver but it's the denon d1001 and that made it so that i skipped the m50x era a little bit like for me this is like 2006 2007 and um so going from the gaming headphones, which were really, really bad, to the Denon D1001 or Credo or Ivana Live, it was like, oh my God, this is so much better. And it, and because that actually is a good headphone still, I'll still, I still think that's a good headphone. And then going, and then trying out other people's M50Xs when everybody was, you know, during that time, I still thought, but you know what? I like my Denon better. <laughs> um, <laughs> And so I, you know, I, I didn't have that same kind of relationship with the M50X or that same reverence for what it meant for people who were used to listening to stuff that wasn't very good. Uh, because I just thought, well, I, you know, why doesn't everybody just get the the Denon D1001 instead? It came in, and I think it was around the same price. Um, but basically, these days, it's like that's I see it now, and it's a little bit of vindication for me because I see in. Uh, wherever it is, Reddit or Discord or you know, all these places, somebody is is If somebody is asking, should I get this M50X? <laughs> there is a there is a train of thought that you see there that's very popular. That says no, get the Creative Orvana Live instead. And for me, it's like ah, even back then, <laughs> you know, I had the. But of course, I just I was fortunate enough to end up getting that one instead of the M50X. Um, but it's a nice it's a nice uh, yeah. Uh, it's nice to see that that headphone, the Creative Orvana, or the D1001, is still around, just in a different form. I think they actually made a sequel to that now, too. I should probably check that out, some, out at some point. Um, but yeah. Um, for, for me, the, the M50X wasn't like the first like entry-level audiophile headphone or whatever you want to call it. Um, yeah. That might be a bit much for some people to say, even that. <laughs> um, uh, mine was the HD558. Uh, okay. That was my first one. But I was looking for a good close back and like closed backs in this price range eh, there's not much but it wasn't until i got my d270 i was like actually this is a good headphone 
But I yeah. tried several different clothes backs over the years, and I was like, they're all garbage. Ugh. Yeah. And um, the M50X was, like I said, it fit that niche at that time because it was so portable as well. That that meant I could just take it to work before I bought my, um, you know, noise cancelling ones. That's the headphone that everybody uses for like field recording as well. They have the M50X, all the pro. Like just it's because of its convenience to throw it in the backpack kind of thing. Not because yeah. of the sound quality necessarily, but for, for, for the practicality there. Uh, I certainly, like my old job, my boss would always have them and I would always make fun of him for it. Then he went and got some brainwaves <laughs> pads for him because <laughs> uh, his pads fell apart. Um, but yeah, uh, I, I don't know. I think actually, um, I think there's these days, thankfully now headphones that, that like you, nobody needs to buy the M50X anymore, even for those applications. Um, although I have to, because I I am so focused in on the, let's say high end area, that I often don't recognize the price differences for. Because I I was wondering like an M50X these days, if you wanted to buy one, it's it's what around a hundred dollars, something like yeah, that. Yeah, about that I think now. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, hundred and fifty between a hundred and hundred and fifty, and I think that's now right around what the what K three sixty one is. Yeah, something yeah. like yeah. that. But I mean, at the same price, you can get a good pair of six XX, uh, the uh, HE4XX. Oh yeah, HE4XX. Yeah, yeah but those like, are I mean, open, right? So yeah, they're open. I mean, I guess you have to. And, but then also at that range, I guess how how much you are okay with IEMs. I mean, you can go get a a, a, a ten hi fi or like a right. Uh, right. Yeah, what are those? The um, B, uh, the, the blonde, DMG or the B, BGVPs. Or oh the, yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? The blonde, I mean, there's so many in that range that are for IEM wise. Or, I mean, well, in my mind, yes. To instead of the M50X, I think that there are a lot of IEMs that that, like it, it satisfies the same kind of um, practicality requirements. Mm-hmm. It uh, does, and it doesn't. Like I wouldn't wear IEMs at work because I'd be constantly taking them in and out. Right, yes. No. Oh yeah, want? that's true. What yeah, do you yeah. want? <laughs> My wife, man. I found the airplane. Hey, hey. Oh yes. What? Oh, and then you're wearing like I'm wearing like pop. Like oh. <laughs> it looks like the chat disconnected for some reason. Uh, did it? We'll we'll wrap up here in a little bit. But for right. me, the chat disconnected. All right. Somebody else I, can, can type. I, I can see it. Still, yeah, I still running. Know. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Um. Okay, let's see if we can... Uh, oh, let's just talk about headphones. I mean, there's a lot of mm-hmm. questions here about different... People were... Oh, yeah, oh, there it is. So beautiful. Oh, <laughs> so perfect. Such a, such a beautiful headphone. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so if you didn't know, I'm, I'm a meme of purple. Like, that's my thing on the forum. <laughs> I got to get some purple cables. Yeah. Hey. Just because. Just um, so I, I, did, I did have some... Oh, it's because it signed me out of... Google. Um, so I did have some questions about uh, or for uh, for Wheezy here um, while we got him. Um, if you think about like, you know, 10 years in the future, what is it about headphones that you would look forward to or get excited about? Oh, 10 years in the future. They're probably not going to change. Let's... Um... Oh, well, maybe they are. Maybe we'll see more like planar stuff and more like other weird driver technologies um, rather than dynamics. Um, have you? Do you have much experience with planars? I have the HE4XX, which I oh, know okay. is not a particularly good example of a planar, but I think yeah. it's the best intro to planars you can yeah. get, honestly, in my I, opinion. 
I was thinking about, I was trying to think about that because somebody recently asked me, like, they're like, oh, I, I have $200 to spend on headphones. What do I get? And I'm like, okay, get the HD6XX. And they're like, oh, I can't because it's not, it doesn't ship to my region. And mm. so I was trying to think, okay, what are headphones that are like entry level head, like well, entry or mid level headphones, let's say. And I realized I have no idea what the, like those new, uh, oh, entry planars. level, that's easy. Port-a-pros with the Axie Yeah, you could do so. port yeah. But like, but so for the planars <laughs> out there, I realized there's a, like, you go from HE4XX and then like, wait, $200 up is the Sandara. Like, I, there's, I, I don't know if there's anything in between that. I, I don't know. Yeah. I was trying to Especially think Especially now they've had their price cut, the uh, HE4XX. Yeah. 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 So like really there's, I don't think you can get a planar less than the HE4XX, but then I don't think there's anything in between that and the Sundara, unless I'm wrong. Like maybe there is, I think maybe like the, you could probably find like a, a 400i or something. I don't know. Maybe, maybe on the used market, but I mean, that's what I'm saying. It yeah, maybe. Yeah. Like that. as far as like entry level audiophile stuff, honestly, I think drop has the, they do. They, they, yeah. they have the market cornered. Honestly, I, I, yeah. I don't know anything outside of them that has that, that pricing. For that yeah. level, anyways. Yeah. Oh man, I gotta try those uh, Porta Pros with the Axi pads. <laughs> so pretty, good. pretty uh, good. Uh, so yeah, I was yeah back to that question. Um, in ten years, uh, like, do you so like, not necessarily where you think the technology is gonna go, but if you think about like, like what you would want to listen to, um, where would you see that going? I want to see. I, I would want to see um, more adoption, more widespread uh, adoption of um, stuff like the Harman Harman Target in headphones. I know that uh, both JBL and AKG are starting to embrace it now, but um, I want to see it done properly in in more in more headphones. And I, obviously, not exclusively that. Other tunings is fine, but um, I'd like to see more of that. That's uh, that would be good because I I just find it. It works best for me. It, it sounds good on most genres that I listen to. It's not fatiguing because it's not overly bright, um, mm -hmm. but it's not so dark that it, um, you know, removes all the detail in the high end. It's just it seems just right for me, and yeah, um, yeah I'd like to see more of that. So then you don't have so much guessing. But then we might be in a territory where everything starts to sound the same, which <laughs> might be a bit boring. Well, then Maybe. we or we just then now are evaluating the like strict technicalities and we're not thinking too much about the the tonality anymore which would in a way be like i think that would be interesting in a different way um because i mean for i realized that for most of the headphones that i evaluate or even headphones that i'm potentially interested in buying for myself i end up eqing them to something basically like Harman curve anyway <laughs> and really at that point mm -hmm. i'm just going well okay can it handle it and if it can then it's evaluating how well does this perform for everything else and uh, that's when you know like you you hear like well we, we were talking about the utopia versus the headphone uh, tyler and i were a while ago uh or just everybody in the forums talking about it. But, yeah, the headphone, man. Yeah, but the the headphone. I mean, the, both of those are brighter than the Harman Target. They're actually more suited for 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 jazz music, uh, and they're more suited for again, not necessarily just I mean, that stuff. But they're. So this gives some yeah. people an idea of how big these things are. <laughs> yeah, get the two bricks on the side. Oh yeah, I saw a photo <laughs> of that the other day. They're massive, aren't they? Yeah. You want to talk about embarrassing uh, yourself? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Significant other. <laughs> 
That, that reminds me of the Bayer Dynamic DT uh, 100s, 150s, um, in, in many ways, that shape of yeah. that headband and the way that it sits on your head. But yeah, so... Um, uh, I forgot what I was talking about. Oh, yeah, the so those two, the the I, I'm pointing this way because I have the other monitor here, but the, the Utopia and the uh, headphone, they, they're they both brighter than the Harman Target, but you can EQ the headphone with a base shelf to get very close. Like it's still a little bit brighter. So it actually matches my my preferences like almost like perfectly, uh, but it does require that like 80 Hertz base shelf boost by a couple dB, like two, 2.5. Um, but then it's like all, once it's there, all of its technical performance is so addictive. It's the, and it's like, I don't know if I would, like I would probably want, I would probably enjoy that more than the Utopia, the sound of that more than the Utopia. Um, and that goes to say a lot, I think. Um, but getting back to the to, to the Harman uh, uh, curve, yeah, it's one of the things that I really like about it. It's I think if everything were tuned to the Harman target, um, you know, for those of us who I mean, I'm fine doing a little bit of EQ to and just using a profile for different genres. Um, my fear is just that most people aren't doing that, or they won't feel comfortable doing that or they won't even be in an environment where it's possible to do that. I realized that a lot of, um, especially a lot of the older crowd, I think they're not necessarily listening at their desks or at computers or with iPads. They're listening in living rooms with CD players <laughs> or even high-end CD players or their, or streamers, right? Um, Tape decks. Yeah, yeah, hopefully not. Um, but so they're, they're in totally different environments and EQ just doesn't make sense for those environments. Um, and so that's why I, what I worry about with if everything is tuned to the same frequency response, whatever it ends up being, um, that we just don't have the extra flavor <laughs> to yeah. potentially yeah. Yeah, switch up and you know, try something for different genres. And um, I think that kind of goes into another thing, too, is like you have like the so ZMF. So they have a very un, like distinct ZMF sound, like, you know, a ZMF when you hear it kind of. Thing. Yeah. Um, and I think that's another piece that kind of goes into the, the video. I think you did a video recently about that, where it's like multiple headphones, right? Like, um, it's not every day that I want to listen to uh, the ZMF closed, for instance, or even the Legia or the SR1A. Like, they all do different things. And sometimes it's like, I don't, I don't really want to hear that. <laughs> you know, like sometimes, yeah. like, you know, like, or yeah. like uh, uh, tubes. Like, I, I love my tube amps. Like, I, my, um, HD 800 with the bodily crack or like the, the, any of the ZMS with the tubes, it's just all of a sudden something that you're used to hearing a certain way on those mm-hmm. on a solid state, for instance, on a, a, you switch them to a tube and all of a sudden they're a different headphone. Like there's that piece of it too. So I think yeah. that, um, it, you gotta have that flavor. I think that's because that's that uniqueness. I think that's that spice of life as they say, right? Like you I, have I need that, to get, that variety. I need to get more into tubes. I, I used to be into the idea, and then I started yeah, I, paying. I, I started paying way too much attention to things that don't matter. <laughs> well, I have a gift for you here this week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, that that'll be exciting because I hear you know the I'm I'm excited to hear the the, the verite open on the uh, on the that. Pendant, yeah, yeah. Good man. Yeah. It's a uh, unique. Yeah, definitely play with the different tubes. Um, the the older one, the older looking ones, is probably the best way to describe it. Um, yeah, are some of the better ones. Uh, for me, I like those ones. Um, but uh, just mm-hmm. play with them. Just, I mean, yeah. See how it fun. goes. Yeah, but yeah. yeah, that was like the first amp that I bought, I think, was a tube amp. 
And I'm sure it measured horribly. Some hi-fi man too bad, but I'm sure it measured horribly. <laughs> I think yeah, thing well, fell apart on me. The knob fell off. <laughs> like, I kind of think, like, a lot of those are even, they're not OTLs too. So there's, there's No, that, they're hybrids, yeah. The, the, the pendant's not an OTL either. It's not? Uh, it's, no, it has a... The same it's a rectifier, isn't it? Yeah, like it has... Um, uh, God, I thought it was... They, uh, I think it's Single-ended triode or... Yeah, they have the transformer on it to help with it, whereas the. Um, oh, okay, I see. I yeah, got yeah. you. Yeah, um, uh, So that's 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 to help with the impedance, basically. Impedance. Yeah. Impedance. <laughs> <laughs> it's the opposite. If you put a transformer on it, you're you're adding impedance. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, like for it's it's more along the lines of the KN H A one A Mark II, honestly. Okay. Um, yeah. As far as sound, like that has that. It's a tube. I call it yeah. tube neutral, if that makes sense. Like where it has like a. It's not as gooey to use right. those audiophile terms. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that's, yeah. That's, but that's people always say that the Verite on, on the Glen OTL is like the. I, I heard it's amazing, honestly. Yeah. Like, uh, um, I heard it at ZM Festivus. Uh, and, and it was. Man, I wish I could go to that. That that sounds awesome. <laughs> yeah, that was that was a fun time, man. And then, and, and honestly, Bevan and Zach, Zach, those guys are. That, that whole team, their whole team that they have is they're those guys are guys yeah. and gals are awesome. Like I, they're probably the nicest and most deserving uh, <laughs> like makers of headphones in the space. Uh, yeah. Sorry, my camera being all weird, but uh, um, yeah. Anyways, but that's it goes back to that 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 flavor type thing, right? Like you want to be yeah. able to have. Um, to me, anyways, like I, I like having that that variety. I like having the option to to move around. If 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 I did. Um, uh, to if to go back to like the crowd that thinks that they can have like if they you know there's also budget and take into consideration that kind of thing, mm-hmm. um, and for me I think the H HD six XX series six fifty six hundreds I think mm-hmm. those are your to me those are the best all arounders at that price point right yeah they um, kind of break break the price bracket like there's nothing else really <laughs> around that I mean now with the Sonara I guess <laughs> I I I, I yeah. think. But, I'm not. I, I'm not. A, I guess I'm not a high fire or a high fire man. I'm, I'm not a plan R guy, so yeah, yeah, uh, not my preference. Um, but I, I do will say though, to me, the ZMF Aeolus is to me the the probably the total can for most people, if that makes sense. Like for the the masses, yeah. I would say the Aeolus basically covers. If you're going to spend a lot of money on a head, you only want to have one. Yeah. It, to me. That's the one I would say is. I, the... I only heard it once, and it was yours at the not oh, yeah, the yeah. Seattle meet, the, pre- the previous one. I have one. a new one now. I have a Blackwood. Oh, the oh. wait, so you have two? Uh, no, I sold. I sold the, the zero. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. The zero. I have the Blackwoods now. Cool. Um, yeah, when I heard them, they sounded. Uh, they definitely sounded good to me. Um, I think yeah, that. I mean, it, it sounded like Harmon pretty close t- to Harmon. Um, more so than the Verite, because the Verite is not Harmon. <laughs> the Verite is more like uh, if you took a 650 and then gave it better extension, but then cut 3K hertz, <laughs> or 3.2K hertz. And it's yeah. weird. It's, okay, yeah, nice. Oh, yeah. And it, <laughs> I like how the light <laughs> picks it up, too. Um, I like yeah. how you have like, like a dummy head. head for that. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, like the it's it's weird. Listening to the Verite has demonstrated something to me that I did not think about before, and when I was even just getting into 
for the years that I've been into headphones, listening to the Veritate, because it cuts. So it would the balance overall is is decent. Like you get there's no dramatic tilt one way or another. And actually, the balance follows the Harman curve relatively closely. But uh, with that cut in the let's call it upper mid range there around 3k hertz between 3 and 5k i mean who knows what it actually cuts because i don't know if anybody's measured it on a you know industry standard rig but there's definitely a recession there somewhere um, but the way that it's done it's done to cut out the uh it's, it's done to cut out a specific resonance for certain instruments and what that does is it almost creates this additional sense of space it cuts into it creates this additional like uh again to use an audiophile term blackness of background or separation quality um and of course the drivers are they can hand they can do you know this as well and that they're remarkable but the fact that it was withdrawn when i was playing with my eq and brought it back to get it to be a little bit more linear if i if i did get it to to be linear it suddenly it's like okay yeah there's more you can actually hear more stuff because it's not being cut out as much but at the same time i i understand now why it's tuned the way that it is and i understand now why i mean people talk about coloration it, i i when you listen to the verite you go oh no that that makes sense now i understand why people would want to have a bit of a color uh, of coloration there because it it's a it's a flavor of of the sound almost like if, if are you guys familiar with what a comb filter is uh, we're basically or like uh, it's like a notch filter with several notches. Um, I'm I'm getting too technical here, but it, ba basically it it reminds me of what's going on with that, where specific sections are cut out to give a different perception of that sound, and it's something that like when I try other headphones that don't have this cut there, yeah, there's more like I, it's actually more to my liking. I prefer more to be more linear there, um, but they don't have that same quality. Uh, so it, yeah, it's that's why I'm looking forward to other reviewers getting their hands on a Verite uh, because I want to hear what they have to say about that same kind of quality, that same withdrawn quality for very specific resonant tones, um, and just to see what people think about it. Um, anyways, that's why Wheezy needs to get his hands on some as well. <laughs> mm. um, I do have more questions for Wheezy, uh, but we should probably wrap it up here quick. Uh, I did want to just sort of dovetail off of the. Uh, question about the or that we were talking about the ZM Festivus. Uh, last question, guys. Um, are there any events or meetups or things like that that you have an opportunity to go to uh, where you are in the UK or in just maybe somewhere in Europe? Like can jam, but yeah. Do you like? Do you ever go to the to meet meetups or is that even a thing where you are? Um, can jam in London um, this year, uh, June, isn't it? I think. I'm thinking about going along to that one. I don't know if there's much else, to be honest, in the UK. Um, yeah. At least not aimed at, um, like, the end user sort of people, like trade shows and stuff like that. I'm sure there's plenty of stuff like that. But, um, mm -hmm. yeah, can jump in June. I might go along to that. Have you been to one of those before? I haven't. I'm not really sure what to expect. It's, it's funny. This is... Uh, so I'm, I'm... I think, at least ideally, going to CanJam New York. And this is going to be my first... Uh, one of those events as well. So I'm mostly just sort of excited to uh, meet all the rest of these people because, <laughs> like, I haven't, I only know them through, you know, brief interactions on Discord and, <laughs> or, you know, Twitter or wherever else. 
my YouTube comments. <laughs> so it'll be nice to actually meet some of you guys. Um, and that pretty much covers everything. I mean, is there anything you guys want to talk about? Hearing nothing. Um, uh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I was messing around with my uh, wonderful camera again. Yeah. Um, <laughs> We've been going for like two, two, almost two and a half hours. So I think that was, I think that's the other issue. Like it's, it's, uh, the batteries are heating up too much in my camera. Oh, okay. Is, yeah. 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 <laughs> which I'm just swapping them. That's how, that's how I've been yeah. getting around it. Um, yeah. uh, one, one day Wheezy will, will, uh, get into a conversation more about frequency response and, and get, you know, even more nerdy than, <laughs> than where we're being. Oh, I was going to bring up the, um, the, the uh, Austrian audio high X fifty yes. fives. Yes, because, I haven't heard those um, yet. Have you? No, they're not out yet. Um, oh, okay. I think they're coming out uh, next month. I really want to get my hands on a pair. They look like they're going to be a bit expensive for closed back monitor headphones, but high, it's because uh, you you keep um, you you've used the phrase high excursion quite a few times, and that's literally in their name. So um, <laughs> I wonder if this means that they're going to have a real load of slam. Oh, if they're right. dynamic dynamic drivers, they should be right back, able guys. to, especially close back. Um, yeah. Uh, so, f as far as I understand, again, for anybody watching, Austrian audio is what AKG used to. Be. So AKG, uh, all the people there moved to Austrian audio. Is that correct? The people, so the uh, engineers who were who were developing AKG headphones. As far as I know. 28 engineers that moved up moved from AKG. I think yeah. they were actually uh, microphone engineers rather than headphone engineers. Oh, but, okay. um, I don't know if they were all microphone engineers. Yeah, and that was I don't know if, if this was right when AKG was bought by Samsung, um, but it could have been related to that. Um, but in any case, the it, it'd be interesting because I mean, AKG's been doing the Harman thing, especially now with this new, like the 371s and whatnot. It'll be interesting to see what Austrian Audio does and if that also is tuned specifically with that in mind. Um, because again, the, the whole point of like when the Harman curve was operationalized in headphones, it was as a, almost as like a mar as like market research <laughs> more than anything else but of course it became mm. this 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 research thing the, the the goal of it though was to be able to develop headphones based on this curve that matched the you know consumer preference and so as a if, if you're a manufacturer if your company producing headphones it would stand to reason that you, you should want to tune something to what the consumer preference curve would be, because that's what the market research indicates. It indicates that that's the best tonality for everybody, uh, or at least the general tonality that everybody wants. And so what I wonder though is, I mean, for Austrian audio, do they have the ability to do this? <laughs> Basically, it's it's not a, not a really a question of, you know, sh um, of target curves. It's more a question of whether or not they're able to pull it off. At least that's in my opinion. I suppose Especially they're, for that they're a boutique brand, aren't they? Now that like they That's they true. may yeah. have been part of AKG, which were a, a big big company, but yeah. now they now they're basically a boutique brand with uh, yeah. such a small team of people. Um, yeah. But they're obviously guys who know what they're doing, so it's really interesting to see what they're going to come up with. I'm quite excited by that. Yeah, I would expect something to be Harman-like. I would. I mean, I 
I don't see why they would, you know, have any sort of deviation from that, um, especially given that they have a lot of experience. And also, especially if it's in the microphone, like if they're microphone engineers, it, and this, I mean, this goes back to that, the, the stream that we just had with Metal 571, where he brought up the circle of confusion. I think if you're tuning headphones and you want to, and you recognize the circ the problem of the circle of confusion, uh, which is, of course, that you know nothing is nothing is really tuned to be you know perfectly flat. It's you always end up having something, whether it's in the mastering of the track you're listening to, and then the microphone. So you know you have no baseline, so you keep going around and around and around. Um, you know, have no you have no reference point really. Um, and so in the in the if you're a manufacturer and you're tuning a headphone and you and you already understand this, the problem that the circle of confusion demonstrates, I think it would make it only makes sense to make it a Harman tuning because then we don't need to care as much about you know the the uh, scientific neutral or whatever that ends up being, if that's even a thing, because um, then we can just say you know okay this is this follows the general curve of where the different gain factors are for the ear. And the rest of it, we'll just leave it up to what, what preference indicates, what preference tells us. And that's what the Harmon research is all about. So I think that would be, it's gonna be interesting to see whether or not they're able to pull it off. Yeah. yeah. I mean, when I was saying earlier about, uh, I'd like to see more Harmon research implemented, more Harmon target stuff. I don't mean like exclusively by that, by the way, just uh, right. to make yeah. sure that everyone's <laughs> oh, like sure of that. I, I like the flavor in different headphones, hence why I've got my two best headphones are like completely different from each other. Yeah. Um, but like to have something to shoot for, mm -hmm. you know, you can have different flavors of it, but to have something to shoot for that at least now oh, everyone knows that this is kind of what people, this is going to work. It's not something so completely wacky like some manufacturers like to do something completely crazy or not even tuned at all and yeah. <laughs> um like why it that actually makes it makes me think of something i'll just bring it up quickly but i have okay so i get the feeling that I mean, there are i mean there are manufacturers who do exactly this they'll they'll just t tune something uh I, I can think of countless headphones that are like which is like why did you tune it like this actually even the Sennheiser HD 820 over there, that is the strangest frequency response I've ever seen. I love um, that headphone. Well, it's, I like it's, the look of it. <laughs> it's just, I'm not, I'm not, yeah, like it, technically it performs, it's, yeah, it performs quite well, but it's just the strangest frequency response. And you think, why did they, why wouldn't they just the tune glasses. it to the, to the Harman curve? Why wouldn't they? And my feeling is the, the answer for that is because what they're trying to do, their objective is, to try and get it to be a closed back HD800S or try and get that same mm -hmm. soundstage, the speaker-like presentation. And when they're doing something like that, they need to make concessions as far as tonality goes because the implementation of whatever it is uh, requires certain things. And I think with that one, it's it demonstrates the limitations of the, of the glass, the concave glass design that they have for sealing it off. But then they wouldn't have necessarily been able to get the soundstage qualities if they hadn't done that. Mm -hmm. So it makes me think, you know, they, they probably ran into issues and uh, implementing their their goal with a close back. And then that required a tuning that wasn't as Harman-like as we would have wanted. Because actually, if you think about the HD-800S, the HD-800S is fairly Harman-like. 
I mean, that sounds counterintuitive because the HD 800 wasn't particularly, it's more what they call, again, diffuse field loudness or loudness diffuse field tuned. But the base uh, emphasis that was added to the HD 800S actually does get closer to Harman. But uh, just dovetailing quickly off of that idea about implementing different uh, technologies for drivers, these IEMs, these are uh, Empire Ears IEMs, uh, and I've been reviewing them, um, and I, there are certain things that they do that I really like, but I occasionally get the feeling that what they're, they're not paying attention to the necessarily to what the headphone ends up being tuned to like the 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 bottom line like frequency response i think they're and i could be totally wrong about this so i apologize in advance if that's the case but i occasionally get the feeling that a lot of these iem manufacturers are they're just making uh technological advancements as far as driver uh, driver type goes and what's possible with drivers and then they're saying, okay, well, we have this, we've developed this new driver type. Let's see what happens when we put it with this other driver type. And it's sort of like a bit of a mad science experiment where the concern is more about pushing the boundaries and pushing the envelopes on what's possible from a technical standpoint. And that's why with the with the uh, Legend X, for example, you get those W9, they call them the subwoofers <laughs> for bass and IEMs, which is like, yeah, that that is bass and IEMs. But I, I also feel that at least... At least that's my impression is that not every IEM is is produced in a way that's meant to care about the end result tonality. It's it's it feels like a lot of IEMs are produced in a way to try and just yeah, push the boundaries for what's possible with the technology that's being used. You know, improve the technology for uh balanced armature drivers or improve you know, figure out how to get you know electrostatic drivers in IEMs stuff like that and then saying okay well let's put it in here and this is what we ended up with rather than going oh we want it specifically to follow this you know base shelf here by this much and then you know follow the right Harman curve and etc uh it yeah and it, I think it it shows up when you compare IEMs like again like this is the Zeus 14 from master up when you compare something like that to uh even just something like the campfire andromeda uh which also i mean who knows <laughs> i don't know if if they care too much about the bottom line for tonality and frequency response either because for a lot of their iems they're not tuned to Harmon either um but yeah i i don't know what, what do you guys think about like implementing driver technology versus or implementing technical advancements versus aiming specifically for a target curve <clears throat> i think they need to do both really <laughs> um, but one should be in the service of the other in a way yeah right? yeah yeah for sure i mean just implementing certain technical um things doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to sound good and it has to sound good first yeah <laughs> and um like th there are iems with like I don't know, 20 different drivers in them. And there are IEMs <laughs> with one in. And yeah. there are IEMs with just one driver that sound absolutely fantastic. And there are IEMs with multiple drivers yeah. and all kinds of weird things going on that sound terrible. So it's like the technology yeah, the technology is only part of the of the of the the whole thing, I think. But that's I mean, we were talking about engineers like the Austrian audio AKG engineers. And like I I just part of me wonders if again 
in the engineering process, the if if the let's say if the goalposts are better driver technology, not necessarily better frequency response, and then we end up with this disconnect between and and it, the result is a product that doesn't actually sound that good, because the the the, the goalposts for for you know better driver technology end up being emphasized because that's what the engineers are more interested in doing. <laughs> uh, I just, I, it's just a random thought that I had. I don't know if that's actually true, but. Well, I think that's actually pretty, uh, I mean, how else are you going to shake up the, the space, right? Without doing. Yeah. You got to do something different. Technology. So, I mean, even look at the Focals. Yeah. Um, even the SR1As to the headphones. I mean, these guys are implementing stuff like speaker technology and putting them into a headphone. Like, oh, does it work? You know, or Focal with the beryllium drivers, or like uh, maybe different materials, um, planars, like the the Mez Empyrean changing the way the planar um, um, driver yeah. is shaped and stuff like that. Like, uh, I so I think like um, with that comes, yeah, there's going to be some failures, or there's going to be some things that are like, oh, that might not have worked. But without doing that, how are you going to know? How are you going to how are you going to advance if you don't fail? You know, that's that's a whole. With the Focal Allure, the, I mean, I, I, I don't think that was, I don't think it's a bad headphone at all, actually. Um, but you can see the difference between the Focal Allure and the Focal Clear. Mm -hmm. And I think if they, I think they wanted to get something like the Focal Clear, um, which, I mean, they're both aluminum magnesium driver uh, headphones, but the main difference between the two is that the Clear uses the formerless voice coil and the, mm -hmm. And the Allier doesn't. So the Allier actually has, I think, higher mo uh, mobile mass, whereas the Clear has less. Um, but anyways, that the idea of pushing the boundaries on technology, when you're implementing this kind of stuff, I think the first iteration isn't necessarily what the end result needs to be, but uh, or what the what the best best one ends up being. But uh, just getting back to um, that all headphones tuned to the target Harman target uh, idea. Um, this is the last point. We'll, <laughs> it will end after this. Uh, if I, I think you, what you just said there, Tyler is really important because you got to do something different because technically we've already achieved the Harman target, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Well, like was, there are, there are headphones out there that do a pretty good job of hitting the Harman target. Like for me, it's like, the hi-fi man ananda uh, or the you know uh i mean it's maybe not quite the... not yeah it's not quite but it's it's pretty damn close even honestly the lcd one is is pretty close the uh yeah there's lots of headphones that basically achieve the Harman target or close enough to it and yes we can refine and get even closer and closer and closer to it but if you are a manufacturer and you're coming at it and you're like, okay, how are we going <laughs> to, what are we going to do that sets us apart? Um, maybe we tune it to the Harman target, but we do something else with, you, get, you do a formerless voice coil or you do some sort of hybrid system with an M-shaped dome like Focal did uh, for the driver. Um, and I think, you know, doing something different, it doesn't entail not tuning it. It doesn't entail tuning it to something that isn't the Harman target, but... Uh, I wonder if that's also one of the reasons why people don't aim for the Harman target necessarily is because they're trying to uh, go for Add something. flavor. Yeah, yeah, they're trying to, uh, and and for better or for worse, I think often for worse. <laughs> um, but you know, it's 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 one of those things where I I wonder, you know, 
if if it's because of the priorities of you know selling headphones or producing headphones that are to a market uh, and then making whatever it is that you're doing uh, stand out a bit I wonder if that's why anyways uh, I will leave it there uh, this has been awesome a ton of fun chatting with you guys it's been two hours and 40 minutes so <laughs> <laughs> I really want to I want to thank Wheezy for for yeah. joining us here um, I, it's great yeah. to talk to you man and I would love to talk more with you so we'll probably have I'll probably <laughs> if you don't mind I'll probably ask you to come on again another time and we can get cool. even more nerdy uh, everybody who's still with us go and check out Wheezy Reviews and all of his stuff um, he it's really knows what he's there. yeah he really knows what he's talking about and if, especially if you are into you know the frequency response related stuff uh, like I am <laughs> uh, definitely check out his stuff uh, and also that what was the name of the the blog uh, uh, it's just wheezy dot reviews. Oh, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> Alrighty. And uh, for Tyler and myself, I will sign off. Uh, thanks for watching, everybody, and we'll see you guys in the next one.